0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and once again with me I've got a good friend, John. How you doing, John?
1: Good, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, man, thanks for asking. And uh, we're back with another episode, and this one we really have one thing to talk about, one thing only. And that is the GameStop articles that came out um so we're really we have one story but there's a lot of parts to it. there's three different parts to what we're going to talk about so before we get into all that though really quickly we want to touch upon uh that microsoft released some xbox series x in quotes specs today jargon uh <laughs> speak uh yeah jargon speak corporate speak for lots of power it just feels like another one of those things that they're just releasing it so they have something that people can chew on you know it's like it's 12 teraflops and you're like it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't... That's. It's like such a, a nonsense not term, you know, unless you know the context of it. And then, you know, they're saying things like... And this is the one that got me, and I, I want to get your opinion on it in case I'm just looking at it through a, a jaded lens. So one of the things they said was all games are cross-buy. So if you buy it on the Series X, but you want to play it at home on the Xbox One regular, yes, it'll switch to the version that'll work on your Xbox One regular. Now, t- to me right that sounds like they're saying that the xbox series x is basically just the xbox one x two and that it's just more powerful and that there's really not two versions of the game there's two different settings for that game and there's a setting f- which is more powerful and is going to look better with the Series X. And then there's the regular one. And so it's it's almost not even like it's two separate games. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think that you're going to have, like, a separate download for, quote, unquote, the better version. Because they have said that everything that works – not everything that works on the a- Series X is going to work on the Xbox One, is it? Have no. they said that? Uh, Just specific they, titles.
1: They said all of their launch or, like, all of the Microsoft first-party stuff – is going to be on both consoles for at least the first year. Okay, right. So yep, yep, that's those right. games are definitely going to be part of this. Um, but what are, where I see it is, I see it as being an end to the crappy version of the game for Xbox 360 and the better quality version for Xbox One. So let's say you're still on Xbox 360 and you bought Need for Speed Rivals, which is a terrible game on any Terrible, console. terrible game. Uh, but they they did a 360 <laughs> version of that game and then you could buy it again when, when you got an Xbox One and you get a better version of the game. So now if you bought that game digitally for Xbox One and you upgraded to the Xbox Series X you no longer have to rebuy that game a second time. So I see yeah. that as a positive. As an achievement junkie I see it as a negative, negative. <laughs> because I don't think that these games sure. will have separate achievement lists. I think that'll be one achievement list for whatever version of the game you're for playing. For the game, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think it's a positive if you're into digital games, which I'm not. So like, right, I, for Game Pass, I think it'll be great. Um, yeah,
0: I, I do like the fact that it's going to be killing... That stupid idea of remaking everything. Like, we shouldn't see Capcom re releasing Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6 again for the PS5 or the Xbox Series X because they already exist on the one and they're there. So, I actually am very happy with that. It just seemed weird to me, though, that they were acting like this was some magical feature. Like, to me, I mean, I guess I don't even know if it's technically cross by. Because I really feel like it's one game that's going to have two different settings. You've got your Xbox One settings, which is basic, and then you've got your. Because everything otherwise, the reason that the Xbox One, excuse me, Xbox Series X plays everything is because it's really the same software. It's the same back end. It's the same everything, just with more power. And so if you have one game out there that has two different modes, an Xbox One mode and a Series X mode, it's not really cross buy. It's just that your games you're buying have multiple system settings to be compatible with multiple systems yeah if that makes any sense not that it's not cool i actually i am very happy about it too i I think it's ushering in this new era of not having to rebuy games again which I, I like a lot because the ps4 had so many games from ps3 and 360 that were brought back because they weren't backwards compatible right and obviously being a physical collector backwards compatibility is a big deal for me i know it's not for a lot of people but I'm very curious to see what Sony does with backwards compatibility. but
1: I do think this article gave us a little bit more idea of Microsoft's backwards compatibility plans because in the article they talked about the, the console will be backwards compatible with all your Xbox One games and the backwards compatible games for Xbox 360 and the original Xbox. So I think the list that exists now is going to be it
0: fully oh is going to be it you don't think yeah. they're going to that they're list? Gonna add any more
1: to that list i interesting. think interesting i think what it's going to be is you're going to be able to play all the games you've already done you're going to be able to play all your xbox one games but i don't expect them to really blow that catalog open and let you play all xbox original games all xbox 360 uh, games
0: right not all at the same time the only thing i would say is i think it's possible that they haven't released any new backwards compatible games for a while because they were banking a bunch of them for a big push to say like, hey, we've, we're adding another 100 360 and Xbox <coughs> original games all at once, like with the launch of the Series X, They but...
1: They did that at the end, like they they put out like 30 original Xbox games and a whole bunch of Xbox 360 games as the final push, and their last comment on backwards compatibility was basically like, hey... we're we're wrapping up our backwards compatibility program and to focus on the next generation. Mm, So that didn't give me hopes that they were going to be making strides toward more for the next generation. Mm -hmm. It really made me think, all right, we're wrapping up and we're we're done with the work needed to make those games backwards compatible. Because I think the original Xbox games and Xbox 360 games, I do think they have to do work to make them backwards compatible. They have to probably do bug testing to make sure that it doesn't crap out because even though you're playing a game that's 20 years old if they say it's backwards compatible and you get five hours into the game and right. it crashes you're gonna be pissed off because you're like hey microsoft you said this was backwards compatible
0: well and they only typically the only backwards compatible games are ones that are purchasable on the store though right so you it's almost like in. yeah no i know yeah. but i mean like but then you download the game off the store which you'd be able to buy right. digitally anyway so i think it's their way of like they have to go through some sort of certification and that's why they don't release them all at the same time. It's just not feasible to like get all these games downloaded digitally on the store. Besides licensing issues, you've got the whole shebang of getting it to work as well. And like you said, it might emulate it and be fine. And then halfway through the game, half the text might disappear. That's not playable, you know, not that some companies wouldn't release it like that. But, you know, Um, but anyway, we didn't really get on a whole tangent about that because really the star of this week is GameStop. So if this is your first time listening or watching, John and I both worked at GameStop for a really long time. I worked there for eleven years. You worked there for A little under eleven a little years. Under, so like collectively we have twenty years of GameStop experience. And we worked there at essentially the same time. I was a little bit before you and then you came in and you stayed after for a while after I left. Yeah, you were so I was maybe six years before you and then you stayed like six or seven years after I if yeah, not more, you, after I left. I
1: think our overlap was about two or three years.
0: Yeah. Um, and so the, what we're talking about today is, uh, oddly enough, two different articles came out about GameStop employees and the direction of GameStop from two different publications. So we had Polygon had Colin Campbell did an article on released on February 19th at 8.30 in the morning. And then IGN had... Oops, I lost. I got to go all the way back up. Logan Plant on February 19th at 10.19 in the morning. So very weird that it wasn't one article or one website reporting on the other website's story. They were literally each like had their own ongoing investigation that somehow both came to a head an hour apart from each other last week. Yeah. But that's fine. You know, it happens. It does. It does happen. It's possible. But really the the story here. So I'm going to be talking about the Polygon article and then John's going to go a little bit more into the, uh, into the IGN article, but here's just kind of a headline. GameStop employees report extreme pressure from quote unquote desperate bosses in multiple interviews with Polygon store managers and staff speak of plummeting morale. So we're going to talk about this in three parts. The first part is going to be our experience at GameStop with some of these things. We ourselves talked to employees that we know. Uh, at the stores uh, that that we've known for years at different stores, not just the ones around us, but in other States even. And then lastly, we're going to talk about things we think the company could do to improve its position. Because I think John, and I'll send it to you after this. I, I feel like you feel the same way as I do. I know there's a lot of GameStop haters out there. And as much as I worked there and I felt a certain amount of anger when I left that company, even though I left on my own accord, I don't want them to go away you know, I, right. I, I want them to do better. I want them to be a better store. I think having GameStops around is a new way to bring in new games that eventually people sell to me and I make money on and I like making money in my used game store. And so I don't, I think we both feel that way. Like we both like the idea of a dedicated. I mean, this is the largest and the only specific video game retailer that ever Essentially, has existed for the last fifteen years since the EB merger, or twenty years, maybe that's already now. Yeah. And so, to see them just go away, like that would have an impact negatively on the industry. I really believe that. But I guess I I was curious. I mean, I feel like you feel the same way, but I wasn't sure if if it was exactly how you felt about it. Yeah,
1: I absolutely don't want them to go away. Uh, I mean, I feel like we would see so many less games published on disc for sale everywhere. I mean, because I don't think that Walmart and Best Buy and Target are really going to pick up the slack on smaller titles like GameStop.
0: I, I agree, done. too, and I, I don't think they would fill in the large gaps either. I feel like people would go, oh, my GameStop closed? Let's buy it digital. Like maybe the, a retail store that was close to them might be in their last bastion of why they bought it physical. Yeah. And there are some benefits. I mean, them doing the midnight launches around us at 9 o'clock, that's awesome Yep, to get a game three hours earlier than you can unlock it for download. Uh, and then the physical copy to boot and still obviously being able to trade in your old physical copies towards it, obviously jokes about GameStop's trade-in prices aside, uh, which yes, uh, that's not an unfair or inaccurate attack, but you know, it's still something you could do to, to decrease the price of the yeah. game. Spend.
1: My thing on trade-in prices for any time I worked at GameStop was if you didn't like the trade-in price, don't sell it. Yeah, Like the- don't don't sell it for two bucks and then go home angry. Just go home with the game and spend two two bucks out of your pocket more.
0: Right, and and I mean, and and I don't disagree with you there. Obviously, in my line of work, I'm constantly checking GameStop's prices. Yeah, and it there are I think it's fair to get upset at some of the prices. Like right now, I think they sell Breath of the Wild for. Forty-seven ninety-nine or forty-nine ninety-nine—I forget what it is. I would have guessed fifty-five. Yeah, it, it, it was. It wasn't. They have it like on sale right now. It's oh, like down man. to forty-seven ninety-nine, <laughs> and I want to say when I looked up, today, they were paying fourteen bucks for it. Okay. So fourteen dollars for a forty-eight dollar game. What would, would you? What would you
1: uh, buy that from somebody for?
0: Typically, we're paying about twenty-five to thirty dollars okay. for a forty-five dollar game. It depends on how popular, how many copies we have, but typically on a on a, on a Switch game, especially which are super hot right now. Um, and they're selling out super fast we'd pay about i'd say between like twenty one and twenty seven is probably like okay. the range i would say on on what we would sell but we'd sell it for forty as opposed to selling it for forty eight too so we're we're able to beat them on the buy side but also beat them on the sell side but um so obviously it, but it is it was a nice feature it's something you could do yeah you know you could trade in games if you wanted to and I agree with you like my rule of thumb is always. If I go there and they say they're going to give me five bucks for a game, and if I saw this game on a shelf at a store or at like a rummage sale or something for five dollars, would I buy it? And if I go, yeah, I'd buy that if I saw it for five bucks because it's worth fifteen. Well, then why would you sell it for five bucks? Because right. you would buy it back for the same price. So, just just kind of how I rationalize it in my head.
1: I also never trade stuff in. Like, right. Exactly. Like I, I worked at GameStop either. for ten years. I I haven't traded in a game. Realistically, I sold Greg a bunch of my uh, doubles of games that I bought accidentally multiple times, <laughs> like, I think six months ago. But prior to that, I really haven't traded in a game since, like, 99. So, yeah. like, I I never had a problem with GameStop's trading prices because I never used Because you never them.
0: traded in. You never, you never <laughs> had like, to worry about I it. I keep my crap. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's go over the article first, and then we're going to talk about our experiences at GameStop. So the article starts GameStop store managers and retail staff say the company is taking increasingly desperate measures to shore up sales as the video game retail chain struggles with a massive loss of revenue caused mainly by a broad consumer shift to digital purchases. So I'll stop right there. I still I just feel like that's such a lame excuse. I think the argument that the reason that they're struggling and having massive loss of revenue is because of their shift to digital. I just don't see that. Like, obviously, they said revenue. It's not profit. You make no profit on new games. Yeah. But they should be making a ton of profit and revenue on their used games. So what is... Like, I'm not saying that we don't see a decrease in... If you have a decrease in physical purchases, you're going to have a decrease in physical trade-ins. Right. But we don't see that. Like, at my store, we've seen an increase for the last nine years. So when I see a company like this say that they're losing... Every year, I don't, you know, is that nine years of their trade prices coming back to haunt them? I mean, is, is like for me, I feel like we've set up nine years of good customer service and, and, and building trust. And so that nine years has rewarded us as opposed to and this is what we're getting into here, because if their employees aren't happy, that's their f- front line of defense to the customer. So if the employees aren't happy, the customers aren't going to be happy. Right. And so is that nine years? Is that 10 years of them? letting these trade prices and letting these employees go. And all of a sudden now this is where we are. Cause I just, I just don't like that. They always shift it to it's caused mainly by a shift to digital purchases because that kind of, it kind of takes away the blame from corporate, which is what this article is literally talking about is how badly they treat their employees and how low morale is.
1: Well, I think I do think you're right on the, the trade in aspect. Like they, they're getting less trades. It's, it's been a thing for years but they've they've taken away incentives for people to trade stuff in. Yeah, um, the they used to have something called Power Trade, where when there was a hot new game coming out, you could trade in your games toward Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, for instance. If that if that was the Power Trade, and instead of getting five bucks for the game, you might get fifty percent more for your trade in. If it's traded in towards yeah, Z cactus, I'm trying
0: to think what they called that when I was still there. It was it, it, like you always had games that were 20% trade bonus or 30% trade bonus towards a new release. Like that right. was always a thing, which... and that
1: hasn't been a thing for like probably four or five years. Okay, and crazy, and that has. I think that has negatively affected reservations. So they want us to. They wanted us to reserve games, but then they didn't give the customer any incentive to do right. that,
0: except for like their pre-order bonuses, which. Arguably Which don't work.
1: <laughs> I was gonna I mean, cover that too. All right. They they really have gone away too. In the last couple of years, pre order bonuses have just almost evaporated where you didn't have anything to really talk up to a customer to be like, Hey, you get this this yeah. thing. Like now it's just like, hey, you get the opportunity to own the game that you'd want.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's so weird to me too because then they do the digital codes where it'll be like hey you get an extra suit for goku or something and you're like well that's not that's not a selling point like if someone's on the fence of pre-ordering that's not pushing them over right a t-shirt would push them over uh like a, a a poster sometimes even will push them over and i understand that physical extras are more expensive like i mean i'm not you know i'm not oblivious to the cost of doing business you know right. but a lot of the times that's not GameStop paying for that. That's Namco. They should go to Namco and say, "Hey, Namco Bantai, give us, you know, give us twenty thousand posters. It costs them probably ten cents a piece to make. Yeah. Give us twenty thousand posters to go out to the first twenty thousand to pre-order, or something like that. You know, and there were some like Sekiro had the letter opener. Yeah, like, there was. was there's still some cool. physical pre-order, and those those hold oh. value. Or Steelbooks, Best Buy's killing it with Steelbooks right now. Like they're getting exclusive Steelbook pre-orders all the time. It does really well. So the article goes on to say. In more than a dozen interviews with Polygon, Current and former GameStop employees spoke of a tightening regime of strict sales targets and intrusive consumer scripts designed to extract as much value as possible from the company's dwindling base. All the employees we spoke to said they were concerned about the future of the company. Most reported their customer numbers had decreased noticeably in the last year. Goes on to say, quote, I've seen a change in the sheer desperation the company has towards its profit margins, end quote, said one manager with multiple years experience at the company. Quote, the company is frantic and distrustful, said one assistant manager. You can feel it in every message they send. The structure is falling apart and they're scrambling, end quote. And then one more quote here, quote, I think they'll close a thousand stores this year, said one former store manager with many years retail experience. Quote, they have to cut costs. The game's retail market is dying. Another manager then goes on to say, my store is well known for solid sales performance, but customer traffic has dipped significantly in the past two years. Aside from some expected high traffic days like Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and major game releases, we're missing our daily sales plans almost every single day. So in just that, because there's a whole bunch more to cover in this article, they talk about declining sales, all this other stuff, but in that Let's talk a little bit about our experience. And I'll start with you, of course. What what do you remember when it comes to things, like when they're complaining about, I'm seeing a change in the sheer desperation of the company towards its profit margins. The company is frantic and distrustful. Did you ever feel that way when we were working there?
1: Uh, In the early days, I feel like more so than later. Like the... Because back in, like, 2008, 2009, there was the daily stat tracking yeah. of, like, reservations and getting the, the discount card, where you'd have to, every single day, you'd have to call up the store that was assigned to take all these stats down, and then they would they would record all those stats, and then they'd, they'd relay them to the district manager, and then if you weren't right. at a certain percentage, the district manager would be on your butt. So... I felt like as the years went on, that became less of a thing, but it really has upticked again in the last like year, and it seems like now it's all around like not even gaming related stuff. The I keep hearing uh, a lot of complaints about people needing to get uh, phone purchase quotes, right? Where like. You're coming in to buy a PSN card, and somebody will be like, oh, what kind of phone do you have? And you would be like, uh, iPhone? You'll be like, oh, well, yeah. oh what, how <laughs> how big is the hard drive? Like, like what model is it? We could give you $200 yeah. for it. It's like, dude, I don't want to sell you my damn phone. Like, what, yeah. what, how did this become me selling you my phone?
0: Well, and ever since I started working there, I started working there in February of 2000. And when I started working there, there was – always rankings mm-hmm. every single day you would hear or every week i should say it power wasn't even rankings. daily power rankings yep. exactly and so we would have a thing like how many reserves did you get how many subscriptions to game informer did you get how many back then it was msts then it became ipts then upts but basically how many items per transaction were you able to get multiple SKU transactions whatever the verbiage is now yep. like how many things could you sell at once on one transaction and we tracked those things. We tracked your use percent. We tracked all that stuff. And, and every week we got a ranking how we were ranking compared to the other stores. I lived that reality for 11 years. It never changed when I was there. It was, it was different names, the pillars, the, the, I don't even know what the other names were called, the circle of life, yep. the four pillars, whatever it was. That was always a part of GameStop's mentality was to treat the stores like they're competing with each other. Really, like put them up against each other and pit them up against each other. Um, which I, I strive in a competitive environment. I never had a problem with that. I'm very proud of how, you know, my store did when I was there. Um, my Mason street store was always top one to top 10% in the company. Like I'm very proud of that, but if they didn't track it, would I have tried as hard and cared as much? You know, I don't know. So it's not like this tracking thing is new, but they're changing what they're tracking. And so like you were talking about with the, with the tech trades, that seems to be one of the big concerns here. The tech trades. Not only when people come in, do you have to get them to trade stuff in. They're they're at the point now where they're saying, "Look, just talk to them. Just talk to like write down how many times you asked if someone had a phone. Like that's literally where they're at with the tracking right now. Which I think is showing a fundamental shift in the company. Like why wouldn't you focus on pre-orders, subscriptions to Game Informer, even even hell, like why don't we talking about used percentage? over last year yeah I don't know it, it so it shows that now what they care the most about is tech trades which,
1: which it's weird because GameStop did tech trades and GameStop did selling of f- iPhones and Android phones like five or six years ago they they put a display case in almost every single store and you could ask people like if they wanted to upgrade yeah. their phone and they would have an option. So if you if you bought their phone from them, you'd have an option to sell them another phone. Right. But right now you're just asking them to be like, Hey, do you want two hundred bucks for your phone? And you can walk out with yeah. A phone? without a phone like
0: and, and and what's been the one thing about when you buy a new phone all the time right you go to wherever they pop your sim card out they update your contacts you get the new phone popped in you go home and you're like i got a new phone and you right. can sometimes trade in your old one or you'll sell it or whatever but like here it's like no I'll just take your old phone and then you can just fend for yourself i mean it's yeah. it's, it's weird you know but obviously it's like apparently one of the main earners for them and like you made a great point they don't even sell stuff in the store anymore yeah this, this stuff is all shipped off
1: they're selling it sideways to places like Gazelle, which is an online right. phone retailer. And they're so, taking,
0: yeah, they're taking like a much, like they're not selling it for retail costs. They might be buying it for 200, selling it to them for 300 while they sell it to someone else for 500. Yeah. Like they're ta- they're getting short, like they're shorting themselves. Basically they're reselling to a reseller.
1: Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. And like, I don't, I don't get why that is what they're most focused on. I mean, and actually I was going to cover this um, talking about ideas on like what GameStop could do to kind of right the ship a little bit but if they're willing to like side sell this stuff so they're not they're buying it in but they're not even dealing with it mm-hmm. to sell it themselves why not do that with blue rays why not do that with dvds right. why not buy other media you're not worried there is about... a, there's a source that people want that stuff
0: that's a great point cuz you're not there's there's no if you don't you don't have to worry about the shelf space for it the reason they stopped taking retro games back in the day and stopped buying ps2 and ps3 was because one they had a lot of it but two they didn't have the shelf space for it right so if you're just gonna be short selling it buy it for a quarter and then find someplace that'll buy it from you for 50 cents right. and sell it to them by the pallet load or something yeah, yeah. sell
1: it to amazon
0: yeah yeah
1: amazon's got to trade in uh prices on every yeah. damn thing they sell pretty much like just start selling that stuff sideways
0: so one of the quotes in here was, "I think they'll close a thousand stores this year." How accurate do you feel that is? I
1: think that guy's an idiot. Okay. Um, that,
0: <laughs> whoa, whoa, okay, but yes, go yeah, on. Yeah, that
1: was one of those. That was one of the quotes that I pulled out of that article where I was just like, "This guy's a moron. Why are they talking to him?" Um, right.
0: Like, like, wh- where did so, he come up with that number? Like, right. I just pulled it out of his yeah. Head? yeah.
1: There's four thousand stores, uh, GameStop stores in the United States. So. I don't think they're going to close one fourth of their stores, uh, especially with a big con- two console launches coming at the end of the year. Right, they're going to look great on paper once those consoles. Yeah, hit.
0: they're going to get like they're going to get a free. Well, it's almost <coughs> like it worked out well for them that they're getting that kind of free ride on just a boost of revenue. Right, a profit as we know, you make no profit on console sales. So like the revenue is this automatic. Like we just sold, you know, what do you think they'll sell day one? Like five hundred thousand to a million ps5 units or something probably a million plus say let's say a million just for easy math let's say it's 500 bucks which hopefully is probably gonna be more 500 million looks really good you know on your on your rap sheet even though they're posting losses of 800 you know million
1: (laughs) and that's without even giving like extra controllers and games and all that into, into it but like stores closed in the last five years, in our area, because of a couple reasons, um, the there was a store in Shawano, Wisconsin, that closed. It was poorly managed for years. Yep. It was. It was. It had one bad manager after another, and because of that, the customers just didn't care to come to the store, and it it went out of out of business. They just they made so little money that it was almost laughable um actually i i got in a pissing match a little bit with the the one of the idiot store managers of that store during a uh <laughs> during a inventory i was uh i was saying how i was working at the mall which is one of the busiest stores yep. and i mentioned that that his store is the slowest in the district and he's like he's like we're blowing it up in profit and profit and pre-owned and all that and i'm like dude don't talk about don't talk about blowing it up with me and me and the Mason Street store manager <laughs> right. here because you blowing it up is like one day of the week yeah. worth of sales for our stores <clears throat> and he, and I'm like you are the slowest store in the district and he's like I'm not the slowest store in the district and the district manager pipes in he's like you're the slowest store in the state. <laughs> just shuts well, them
0: right up. And they even and before the GameStop woes really, they closed the Depire GameStop. Yeah. You know that closed because it wasn't profitable and rent was going up and I, GameStop's always been really savvy with their leases and they always get really good deals on leases based on oh if the occupancy's not at 100% in this building or if the mall's not 100%, we want a discount. And so they've got, they had really good for a while negotiators. Which I was going to say, I
1: feel like they've gotten away from that yes,
0: though. I'm sure they have because now they're just saying, you know what, we're just going to close it if it doesn't make sense to us, Well, you know, like, which makes sense.
1: I ran the mall store for five, almost five years. And the, the mall in green Bay is turning into a ghost town. And it is yes. the, the mall store's rent is $10,000 a month and there are stores that are moving into that mall that are paying less than $1000 yeah. a month for the same space same size like they, of space yep. they just rented uh rented out a location to a place called Mojo Games in Green Bay that they're paying less than $1000 a month do you know be, that yeah.
0: be, you know that okay yeah. i didn't know that that's, um, that's interesting and not but only it makes sense to me why you would go there then yeah
1: not only are they paying less than a grand to be in the same space as or in the same size space as GameStop but they the one of the uh, employees said that they made more money in their first month of being at the mall than they made in the entirety yeah. of being at their old location
0: yeah that that I have heard that's very true like, like they, they're very happy with that new location, and good for them that's awesome I, I was
1: on like while I was at the mall, I was like talking to my DM quite a bit, being like, "Why can't we negotiate the rates to be better I had my uh my store flooded completely. Uh, yeah like no, back.
0: God, yeah. you and I both have suffered a flood in that store yeah. so you and I <laughs> but a, a, a decade apart mine resulted
1: in me <laughs> completely gutting that store but true when when we gutted that store I was trying to get them to move the store to a bigger location because it's like we're paying 10 grand for a store that has flooded twice in 10 years yeah and we're getting nothing out of it we're just getting boned why don't we move into a bigger location that's further away from the source of the flooding? Yes. Uh, <laughs> probably a good idea. And and a bigger space and and GameStop Corporate just wasn't willing to to even try. I had to like like I had to go above my district manager's head to try and light a fire under the ass of the people at corporate yeah. to to even talk about it. Right. And it was like, why does this not make sense? You were cramming a ton of product in a tiny store.
0: Which, And this actually was something I was going to bring up in our how we would fix them portion of the podcast. But I think a big issue with them is that this business is not scalable to a corporate level anymore. Not saying it wasn't at one time and not saying that they didn't do a great job at the time. They were acquiring other companies. They were growing. They took out all the competition. That's all true. I thought they did a great job with that. You know, they were successful. They were profitable. They did it like they bought Funko Land with cash, if I remember correctly. I think they got like some money from one of their like one of the investors in Barnes and Noble or whatever. That was where that weird relationship came from. Then they formed GameStop. I think they did have to take money out to buy EB. But for the most part, like they, they were they were making smart decisions, you know, and I just feel like now that type of store is not um, scalable. So for instance, right? So like the way my store works is I, I buy stuff from customers and I resell it. Simple philosophy. My problem is I can't order things when I need them. Most things, I mean, I can order some controllers and some other stuff, but since we don't carry a lot of new games, we typically rely on the used product. I can't go to a a distributor and say, I need 50 copies of Mario three for the holidays. I can't do that. I have to have had those traded in. And so I just feel like at the corporate level, the only thing you can do to grow a business and to expand is to get more product you buy into those stores. Mm. And so they have a great transfer system. The RSB system, which stands for regional stock balancing, is great. It takes the games you have a lot of and you send them to stores that don't have any and they do the same thing back to you and it balances out the inventory amongst the stores pain in the ass for the employees who yep. had to do five to ten a week especially like the big trade stores like my, me at mason street i was like i felt like we were sending out 10 RSPs a week
1: yeah and i was just like
0: man this sucks
1: yeah you get the same amount of payroll as a store yeah. as that store that closed and was slow as hell yeah. to do five times as much work that's another reason yeah. why gamestop is killing their employees yes
0: and and with no benefit you know yeah. and so i just think that's part of the problem though. it's not scalable you cannot scale that level of individualism you need at that store. I think every used game store that's successful has its own identity, It has mm-hmm. its own like customer base and its staff. And really the only reason people are going to GameStop anymore is for the people. Yeah. In fact, that's how I knew when I left GameStop I would be successful because I knew people would follow me. I knew that the reason Mason Street was successful was because of the hard work I put in and, my, and the staff I hired and the good job they did because I trained them. So I said, you know what, I can do that again and said this time I'll work extra hours for the week and I'll benefit from it. And that's how I ultimately knew I was, in my head there was no option for failure, not because I was like, oh, I'm a positive guy. I was just literally was saying there's no way I can fail because the only reason this store is successful is because of me. And so then we have this issue now, which reminds me so much of Circuit City back in the day. When they were crapping out, they started getting rid of all their getting rid of all their older employees that have been around for years, replacing them with cheaper talent. I mean, I got told that right. But the regional director, when I left, told me to my face that they could hire somebody at half what I was making and it'd be almost as good performance anyway. Like he said that. And now he was way wrong on that, by the way. And I'm very happy to say that. But, <laughs> you know, that that was the mentality, though. And so that mentality of we can always find somebody else. It worked for a while when GameStop was the best place in the world to work. When it's not anymore, you don't have like you're not getting droves of people coming in to beg you to be a store manager there anymore.
1: Yeah, well, and when you are getting you're getting people that want to work there, but they're not the people that you want to work there. Like the people right. that are willing to work for seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour back when uh, I think they've slightly adjusted it now. But but when I was hiring game advisors, the, the entry level employees, it was seven twenty five an hour. You can go to Taco Bell and get twelve or yeah. thirteen bucks an hour now. Target
0: starts at thirteen dollars yeah. an hour, you know, Walmart's starting at like ten to twelve, you know.
1: So like they would want me and during the holidays to hire ten people at the mall and they all had to be the greatest salesman in the world and amazing at everything. But they want me to pay the minimum wage. Right. I, like I I fought against that every damn year like yeah. them saying like you need to hire 10 or 12 people it's like great I'm gonna be able to give them one shift in yeah. during the the holiday you, you don't and that's it
0: like i i've I've built more loyalty with the gamestop staffs in my area yeah. with them helping me out and like offering to give my business cards to people than their own district leaders and, and corporate level management have it's crazy like I could go into any one of those employees would would do something for me if i asked them to like like obviously i'm not a manipulative person that way but i could go in there and ask i mean i could probably ask someone to be like hey you know are you throwing any racks away i need some racks for the store and they'd probably do it i would never test that but they probably would do it you know and I, and i know i could do that sort of thing because i've i've kind of bought their loyalty by i don't know treating them like real people yeah. you know treating them like humans and simple concepts like thanking them for handing out our business cards That's all i do i just say thank you because i really appreciate it and you're humble
1: yeah i it's definitely crazy i, I I think I've probably given away like five thousand of your at business least, cards over the at least. over the past like eight years. <laughs> so I was getting like <laughs> when what I was up in I was running a store what, fifty miles north of here. Yeah. And uh, I was giving away Greg's business Still cards. Sending people up down. in up in Marinette, Wisconsin, almost in uh, Michigan. And uh, people would be driving down to Green Bay because I gave their yeah. business your business card. And they'd always say,
0: like, I got your card from I live up north. I got your card at GameStop. I was like, it was John. It was my good friend, John. He's he helped me <laughs> out. Uh, so the article goes on to say GameStop stock price is at a 15-year low. Uh, it's seen as a poor value by investment analysts. That's probably being generous. Uh, recently, one of its lend- leading investors defaulted on an $8 million debt. That's what the article we were talking about earlier. And. Uh- Analyst Zach's <laughs> Equity Research said the company, quote, has been unable to adapt to the rapidly changing landscape and is another brick-and-mortar victim of the retail apocalypse.
1: Real quick before yeah. the, that uh, that recently one of its leading investors defaulted on an $8 million debt. They make it sound like it's GameStop that defaulted, that defaulted on something. If you actually click on the article that they they cite, one, there's zero information. Like, it's the smallest, dumbest article I've ever seen, but what the article says is that this small company owes gamestop eight million dollars
0: which don't get me wrong not getting paid eight million dollars is a big deal right but But that's a that's a stretch and again eight million dollars in the grand scheme of things that's like nothing
1: yeah it it sounds like that small company screwed gamestop over it doesn't sound like gamestop did something (laughs) wrong and is now defaulting on a debt if they
0: did anything wrong they just trusted that small company right (laughs) which how does that happen like so they, they were investors, so did they promise $8 million and then just never gave it to them?
1: The, the article literally has yeah, no, no information. Details. So, like, I don't even know why Polygon uh, cited that article as if it was any sort of content.
0: So, uh, so the article goes on to say, In a recent statement, GameStop chief executive George Sherman s- sought to assure nervous shareholders by saying the company is prepared... For increased new revenue streams, again, not profit, revenue streams, in advance of new console introductions for holiday 2020 when the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X are scheduled to arrive. But retail staff and former corporate managers told Polygon that the company's problems are rooted in changes in consumer behavior, which are far more serious than a cyclical downturn. They also say that current hard sell tactics are doing more harm than good. That stands out to me a lot because I think it's 100% true. Uh, and that happened even when I was still there, you know, since we were ranked and tracked on everything, you had managers who weren't good at sales, how they got the job. Don't ask me why they get hired or promoted that position. I I knew district leaders that I wouldn't have hired as a part-time staff, you know, as, as a part-timer to work with a manager.
1: Did one of them look like space Sprockets?
0: No, I know you're <laughs> talking about, but no, but no, I'm referring to a district Leader, I mean, they're leaders now. They were DMS when I was there. So district manager, when I was there, who went to conference, got super drunk with his team, and was like throwing up all over the hallways. Like, oh, cool, you're a district manager, <laughs> and and that was the position, by the way. Remember, I couldn't, I couldn't get. Right. Remember that? Like, like they were like, I don't think you're ready for that, Greg. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm already running half this district anyway.
1: We do need to have a. A uh, podcast where we just talk about stories from conference Conference would oh, be great. That'd be great. And
0: that, that's a great one for when there's no news stories. Be like, hey, we're going to talk about GameStop stuff. Yeah,
1: because I've got a good spousal uh, uh, abuse fistfight story that oh, I'll tell geez. you. Oh, <laughs> jeez.
0: Um, so I also don't like this because they do try to argue that it, part of the reason for their decline, and again, this is just like corporate shareholder speak, they just found an excuse. The excuse is, oh, we're in a cyclical downturn. I'm not in a downturn. I'm not in a downturn right now with, and and you shouldn't be in a downturn with the unbelievable games that came out last year. This year, there is obviously it's a little light in the beginning, but you got Final Fantasy VII remake, you've got Cyberpunk, you've got a bunch of stuff coming. There's not anything like you shouldn't be looking at this like this is just a crap year waiting for new hardware to come out. Yeah, that's so not even close to accurate.
1: Uh, the next sentence I thought was kind of interesting. Hit me with it. Uh, so that was that cyclical downturn thing was said by a former executive who left last year they they're just trying to keep investors happy and pad their bonuses before they parachute out <laughs> i that... want to know what what executive said that yeah um well, because for
0: former executive right like he's clearly not disgruntled at all you
1: well you usually don't hear anybody that's a former executive from a company talking crap about their company right like they just leave so like there's a number of like big guys that left like the uh, jason cochran who is like i don't even know what the hell his position was but he was just like this tan adonis of energy Mm. uh and like (laughs) like he was the guy that always was on stage like doing whatever presentations for the last like five years and he just seemed like a jackass to me (laughs) um so there was him there was uh um like Ralph Lloyd, who was the CFO that left last year. okay, I actually talked to Ralph uh, Lloyd. I might be getting his name wrong, uh, but it, I took notes um, but uh <laughs> he was really, really nice and like he was if he was still in charge of the company, I would say it would be they would be in a better position, but for some reason he didn't he must have not seen where the company would be going mm-hmm. under his leadership because he was a CEO for a short period of time in interim while uh paul rains was sick with cancer right and then after paul rains came back for a short period of time he went back to just being the cfo
0: sure yeah i don't like that either and like you said an executive coming out that makes no sense unless he's very secure in his new job because he typically people don't like to hear that sort of stuff
1: well and like what kind of what executives get golden parachutes like is it <laughs> everybody many. or is Not it the top many. guy? Yeah. Cuz like I don't I don't have any faith in the guy that's currently running the company right now. Like all of the ideas yeah. I saw coming out of him just were like, "Okay, that's great. How do you make profit from that idea? Like right. how do you turn out how do you get yeah. money out of the idea of people coming into the store and sitting around and playing D&D?" Y-
0: yes. And re- <laughs> really the idea Is It has to be profitable, but it has to be something like you could argue that, hey, you know, we're trying to get that goodwill back, Mm. right? We're trying to get back in the good graces of our customers. We're trying to erase the image that we've created over the last 10 years that we're, you know, amongst customers that we're not good at trading stuff in or paying good prices, but also amongst developers and publishers that hate our guts because we're undercutting their new game sales by, you know, like policy was when I was there and I'm sure it was when you were still there was like you always offer used over new. In fact, like it was it was a training mechanism that if someone brings up a new game to the counter, you say, Hey, I, the computer prompted you. Remember that? The computer prompted you. You have a used copy in stock. You'd say, Oh, it looks like we have a used one. You could save five bucks. Do you want to get a used one instead? All profit away from developer, publisher, all profit goes to GameStop.
1: Yeah, they did transition away from that. And
0: uh, that I'm pretty sure had to have been discussed. Like, they were just like, You got to stop forcing yeah. your employees to make people buy used games. Instead. It was.
1: It was shortly after you left, I think, where they stopped doing that prompt where it would tell you that there was a used okay. copy. Yeah. Now, if you were if you were a savvy employee, you'd just look it up in the search system anyway. Right, right. So like if a customer came up and and this was kind of ingrained in your brain, if a customer came up and asked you if you had Madden 2018 You'd immediately just look to see if he had a used copy of Madden 2018. Right. And you'd give them that used price. And if they were like, oh, is that new or used? You'd be like, well, that's a used used one. Do you want it? Or new is 30. But if you have a discount card, you can save this. Right, right. Um, and
0: then they end up buying the used one. They don't have a discount card. They buy the discount card and spend more than they would have spent on the new game. Yes, which sometimes happens. <laughs> which, If it was a sports I mean, game, it almost If you never were a happened. good salesman, that's what you got, you know? <laughs> uh, do you agree? Let's talk about this. Current hard sell tactics are doing more harm than good. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh I do agree. Um I I I never called myself a salesman. I I was excited about games. I was able to talk to customers about the thing I was excited mm-hmm. about and get them excited as well, but I didn't really ever consider that to be sales. It was just I was I was talking to you about something I was interested in and you were interested in it too. Cool. Yeah. You want to reserve it. Um and I felt like I I was always trying really 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 hard at my store for all of my interactions with customers to be genuine, to be like not a canned response. Right. And I really wanted to connect with everybody that came in my store. And these hard sell tactics really are taking any Personality away from any interaction and penalizing you if you're not a robot about right. everything.
0: Well, and I, I remember when I was still there, they did try to implement this really stupid thing where when someone walked in, you were supposed to say, hi, did you bring any trades with you today? Yep. And and so like, I'm supposed to say that to someone who walks in with their hands clearly empty, not carrying a bag or they don't have a big baggy jacket on that they might be padding like the merchant in Resident Evil 4. <laughs> All these games in their jacket. they And you're just like, well, I'm asking a stupid question. A stupid impersonal question, to your point. Yeah. A really impersonal question. I hate it. I absolutely hated that. And you know what? I never did it. And I I kind of agree. Like, I, I do consider myself a salesman. But I don't use, like, sales tactics. I mean, I do, but not in the traditional sense. Because what we did is we cultivated a culture of if you wanted a game, you pre-ordered it. It was just the thing to do. Like you came into our store, and we'd say, "Oh, hey, you know, you know, are there any games you're looking at to pre-order?" Like we didn't have to say, "Like, hey, did you want to pre-order Batman? Did you want to pre-order this?" we'd just be like, "Hey, what do you, what do you want to pre-order today? What's coming out that you like?" Oh, I'm really looking at Battlefield Three, and all say, oh, "Okay," and we'd get them down. And that was like like it was just the expectation because we had essentially trained our customers to deal with that. But you do that through good service, through a personal touch, and through connecting with them. You know, and then, of course, there is a little bit of recommendation, though, too. Like, someone comes in and says, hey, man, remember we were talking about Battlefield last week? We just are able to pre-order Call of Duty Black Ops. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. I'm like, I got you down. You want me to get you down for Black Ops? Just five bucks. Oh, of course, of course. I remember when we did our Black Ops Midnight, we had 1,000 people at Mason Street for a Black Ops Midnight, which is bonkers, by the way. A 1,000 people. Uh... You could go to Walmart across the street. <laughs> And have gotten the game and been out of there in five minutes. It took me two hours to get through all the people, and there were people that waited for two hours to buy the game from us.
1: Do you know how much you uh, your deposit was from that day? Oh, pff,
0: I don't remember, but a lot of it was pre pre sale. Like we, because we always got people to pay it off in advance. Yeah. So we didn't have a ton, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a ton, man. It was I think unreal.
1: My crazy probably
0: twenty or thirty thousand. My like craziest
1: that. midnight was probably Modern Warfare two in Oshkosh. And I think we rang up like a hundred thousand dollars in sales yeah. that day. It was freaking nuts.
0: It's also the power of Call of Duty, but yeah. you know, like, but that was the difference. Is they could have gone anywhere else and got that game at midnight and not waited outside in the cold for two hours in November. Yeah. But you know what we did? We got that pre-order like, or we got the store promotional like the ammo box and like the stuff that was meant for us as employees. It was like a like a a, a retail bonus item. We we raffled yeah, the- that off. You know, and like we made it a big event like we when you came to a it, It was like a hangout. It was like a party. You know, it was fantastic.
1: I, I still have my Modern Warfare uh, ammo, ammo, box. ammo box. Oh, <laughs> we gave
0: that thing away. And that person was so happy. It was crazy. Um, <clears throat> so the article then goes on to start talking about tech trades, which we've covered a little bit. I don't want to get into too much detail because we've talked about it already. But basically, people are complaining that things have changed drastically. Our district manager is pushing, uh, pushing tech trades like iPhones and tablets as well as pre-order reservations. No one cares about the games or the customers anymore. It's obnoxious. That's what they're saying about their district manager and the leadership. I guess I always felt like that's how it always was personally. Like I, I never felt like the district manager ever cared about what game it was. He just wanted the numbers, you know, and, and even our, our district manager who I'm friends with now still, he didn't even like really play many games, you know, and didn't know anything about him. And he was an ex store manager. So it's not even like he came in as a district manager. He came in as a store manager who got promoted. So you'd think you'd still know about games and stuff. Yeah, the um, district
1: manager that I had after after you left, he didn't also didn't play any games either. Yeah, yeah. Uh it
0: goes on to say Polygon has been shown evidence of target sheets that managers are required to fill out, demonstrating that they have given purchase quotes to fifty customers on their used phones every week, with five leading to a transaction.
1: I've seen these.
0: I've never seen them, but it sounds obnoxious. Yeah. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the call list. Do you remember the call list? From way back when? That might have been before your time even.
1: Uh Are you talking about like calling pre-order customers? No.
0: So there was okay. a thing called the call list that if you somehow, could, and this is back when pre-orders you had to put $10 down. So that tells you how long ago it was. If you couldn't get someone to pre-order a game, you had a call list binder that you asked them to say, well, I'll tell you what, just put your name and phone number in the call list. We'll call you when the game comes in. You don't have to put any money down. We won't hold you a copy. But it's like, it was another way to gauge interest in the game. Okay. And so at the end of the week, you had to enter, like, every Sunday night, you had to enter the call list numbers from the binder, and you just fudged them all anyway. But then <laughs> my my old man just taught me that, though. They said, look, if it's a game that we want to get more copies of, just say we had 10 people on the call list because we want to make sure we get extra copies. Because it did affect it. Okay. Affected the copies quite a bit. And so it reminds me of that same sort of thing, though. Like, it, it does nothing for you. It, it gives no – there's no reason for that person to come back. They're most likely not going to come back. If you couldn't get them to pre-order it, they're not going to come back.
1: Uh, a couple years ago, they did it where um – every single week they were generating a list of phone numbers of people that you had to call and you had to be like, Hey, uh, do you want to pre-order or do you want to trade in like stuff? What do you got to yeah. trade in? And so like every week, like in a busy store, we would have to find the time to sit down and call like 60 people for, yeah, never did to, that. To, to never to beg them for trade-ins. And it was awful. And so you, you'd have to be off the sales floor for two hours and, in order to call 60 people instead of helping the five people that are in line that are pissed off that they have to wait longer
0: because there's only one person working the floor and they've all got trade-ins and, and that's, that's such a miss on their part. They never understood that. Right. And I know that it was always a joke when I was a manager for many years and you were a manager for many years, it was always the joke, right? People always talked about payroll and payroll was like the nasty word at a meeting. Don't ask about payroll. If you're in a meeting with your regional director, do not ask about payroll. You look like an asshole. Like don't do it. And so you didn't. And there was always some new manager who's like, Well, I'm really excited about all this new stuff, but can we get more payroll? And there's chuckles. (laughs) And then people are like, And then there's a few people who are like, And then, of course, the regional director's like, We're not talking about payroll. We need you guys. And it was always like, We need to step up, you know, get this done, train your people, blah, blah, blah. They never had someone actually look at it and go, Well, this job takes this much time. So we need to give hours based on the amount of work we're going to give them to do. All they ever did was base your hours on the total number of sales that Mm -hmm. you were anticipated to do. And payroll was always like that. When I started with software, et cetera, which would later become GameStop, we got hours every week. Yeah, like 120 hours a week, which compared to now is like amazing. Yeah. we got 120 hours at Bay Park. We'd be there.
1: Did that include
0: you? That did not include the store manager. So 120 did not include store manager. Okay. Uh, which is a much different than it is now.
1: Uh, it d- it still doesn't. But now we're down to like 87, 84. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So ridiculous. So they're running their stores on 60 less hours a week. Right. Yep. And yeah. Basically. than
0: yeah. th- when I was there and so w- what also was terrible about that, though, is you had to look at your day like say it was Thursday and you were only at 15,000 instead of 20,000. If you didn't think you were going to hit your goal, you had to cut payroll. Well, our weeks went Sunday to Saturday. So if you had to cut payroll, you had to pick the busiest day of the week, Saturday, to cut payroll to and make kneecap payroll. yourself. It's just the stupidest thing yep. ever. And, and that was going on for a long time. So obviously it worked back then, I guess. And yeah, I mean, 60 more hours of payroll in a store, that's a big deal. I brought on, late last year, I brought on another full-time employee. And it's hard when you look at it and you go, I need the work of another full-time employee. But is he being there going to get me what I'm paying him back every single week? Probably not. I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, it's part of the growing pains of a business. Yeah. You have to get that out there. Now, when I hired my second full-time employee, when I hired Dom, I thought I was going to really start taking a hit on my profits because I knew hiring him, I thought to myself, hiring him and having two people on every day is not going to make me more money. And I could have been more wrong because having two registers set up, processing people faster, getting, you know, we weren't having people wait in line for trades, wait in line for things like we did better. We crushed it. Yeah. It kept growing and growing um so the article goes on then to say an assistant manager said that last year gamestop briefly attempted to dial back it's notoriously aggressive sales technique previously known as a circle of life this is a long-standing company mantra on the importance of persuading customers to trade in old games in exchange for store credit employees also strongly encourage customers to join loyalty programs that come with various benefits and discounts all of which are designed to drive more sales i have to say this about the circle of life though it never should be used as a punishment. It's just a philosophy, yeah. right? Because it's very true. It's very, very true philosophy. You need people to pre-order games so you get new games in. You need people to trade in their games towards those new games so you have used games to sell and make profit. Then you get people to buy Game Informer subscriptions with a 10% discount card, which is not available anymore. And you use, you do that, and that was all part of the cycle of getting people in your ecosystem. Right. And so it's not, it's not a bad thing until you start using that as a weapon against your employees. And that was really the problem with, with that whole process. I mean, it should be used as a philosophy, like, hey, let's make them understand why the business works the way it does, not use it as a way to, like, punish them, essentially. Right.
1: Well, and also goals are meant to be attainable. And, yes. and if you get damn close to a goal, that should be a pat on the back, good job, like, let's get there next time not a let's whip out a corrective coaching and and make you feel like you're fearing for your job and it really seems like it's turning into that um like i i talked to one of the uh current employees and um the 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 coachings so corrective actions coaching discipline whatever you want to call it um it used to be you'd like let's say a customer an employees not not attaining their goals you might give them a corrective action, and then you have to give them a certain amount of time to be able to mm-hmm. cor- to correct that action. So, like, you might have to give them, like, three weeks or a month or whatever, and then you revisit it. And if they've improved, then great. No further action taken. If they haven't improved, you might move on to a second coaching. And then you give them another span of time where they can improve, and then you can give them a third coaching and potentially lead to termination. Uh, now, now they're just they're moving from that three-step process to first and done done. Yep. Like you get one coaching, you don't fix it in two weeks, you're done. You're you toast. Know, you know
0: what they used to do first and finals for? <coughs> losing a deposit. <laughs> yeah. Like losing or like stealing thirteen thousand dollars worth worth of, <laughs> <worth> of deposit. <laughs> that 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 used to be a first and final. Now it's performance. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, you know and. Performance is always an ebb and flow. I don't look at the performance of my store on a daily basis. I don't even look at it on a weekly basis. I look at it on a monthly basis because I'm comparing that month to the year before that month. You don't compare days of the week to other days of the week because it's all part of the process, especially when you deal with product like this that isn't consistently coming in. Yeah, You can compare Tuesday to Wednesday and Wednesday to Thursday when you're a bar and you have the same drinks, the same amount of drinks that anybody can get the same alcohol like if it's all consistent you can compare those days of the week you can't compare every tuesday to every tuesday when one of your metrics is how many people walked in the door that day yeah well you you know i mean it's just it's it's just such a different model and always has been which is why it needed special leadership at the top and now they're running with leadership that always ran a best buy and like a i don't know shakies or what the hell yes, he's been doing you know
1: well and best buy was doing rough for a number of years it's
0: probably when he was there
1: probably because now they're actually they're, doing they've better an
0: incredible turnaround yeah like best but had.
1: but you notice he's not there
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah very curious to know like if he was actually the one who started it and maybe that's what got him this job but remember a lot of people didn't want this gamestop job this was a struggle to find someone to take yeah. this And that's why ultimately if they do end up closing, he's going to get a huge payout because I'm sure that was part of his contract was that, you know, I'll take over a sinking ship, get my golden parachute, you know? So uh, it goes on to talk a little bit about pre-orders. And then I want to get to our individual, the people that we talked to Yeah, because we're already somehow at 50 minutes in this podcast. (laughs) Um, It's such a great topic. I I just love talking game stuff, especially with another manager. So they talked about pre-orders. Some employees said that GameStop is so focused on pre-orders that it sometimes fails to send any unordered copies of games to stores. Pre-orders are guaranteed sales, so there's no lost in warehousing or shipping. That's not true, but pre-orders are not guaranteed sales by any stretch. Especially if they're not legitimate pre-orders. Yeah, very good point. Uh, quote, pre-orders are being pushed now more than ever, said a manager. We have to give every guest a sheet of upcoming games while they shop and then report how many of them we pass out daily, end quote. That is so, that is the most micromanaging BS I've ever heard. You don't need to track how many sheets of paper you gave out to customers because here's the thing. Give your customers, give your employees, excuse me, trust them. You have to trust that what you're doing is right. That's why you have district managers. District managers make sure that the store manager are doing their job. That's why you have regional directors, regional leaders that make sure that district ma- district leaders are doing their job. And that's why you have I don't know what are the other ones. Is there anything above regional leader anymore? There was I think they fired those guys. Did they fire? <laughs> did they fire, like the what was the <laughs> there was something else above it? Uh I, era, uh, I forget what it was. Doesn't matter. But it goes on to say, GameStop is cutting down on inventory. Meaning if a guest really wants a somewhat smaller title, they will most likely need to pre-order. And another noted that they've changed the algorithm. We used to get an extra copy of the game for every three games that were pre-ordered. I never remember it being that exact, but yeah, an extra no. copy for every three pre-ordered. But now it's more like one extra copy for every five games pre-ordered. I mean, it's I haven't been there for a long time, but I don't remember it ever being that exact. No, it was yeah. more like, oh, you have 100 pre-orders, we're going to send you 120. Like it was more like a percentage thing so if you got five pre-orders they'd send you like
1: six i feel like it also had to do with the publisher too because like some publishers they would just assume you're gonna get a lot more sales out of something and so like madden they're gonna send you 200 copies even though you have 50 reserves yeah because they know that that's not a game that reserves really hardcore but then if you have 10 reserves on a koi tecmo dynasty warriors game you're going to get 11 copies of that game. Yeah. And that's because uh, Koi Tecmo chart, like, has really weird uh, rules on how they discount games. Yep. So GameStop never bought heavy into games from them, games from Nintendo, stuff, uh, other arguably,
0: companies. Arguably, and then the back end of that, which a lot of people probably don't know, is that different publishers make different deals with GameStop as far as returning product goes. Yeah. So say the game's been out for three months and they decide to do a sale for thirty nine ninety nine, GameStop's not eating that. They've got, like, a price guarantee where if they have to mark down the game down to thirty they're going to get a refund on all the copies they've sold at that point to a different price point. Like, that's what they negotiate. Yeah, they
1: get they get like a, a discount on their next order, basically. Exactly. Uh, yep. And that Koi Tecmo doesn't do that. That's why I brought them right. up. Right,
0: and, and that's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so they don't do that, so there's more risk involved in buying more of their titles is yes. basically it. Yeah.
1: yeah, so if you don't pre-order a Koi Tecmo game, and you want to buy it from GameStop? There's a darn yeah. good chance they're gonna have one copy of that game.
0: Yeah. And now this is something that maybe it wasn't for the same reason, but when I was still there, I remember the beginning of this, which was they were they were basically saying, "Look, you have 100 pre-orders. You know, we're gonna send you 120, but sell to Walkins, keep selling them. Yeah. Sell down to 90, sell down to 80, because we have statistics that say that 25% of people don't pick up their pre-order in the first two days." which is fine metrics they're saying sell into 70 sell 25 percent of your pre orders so say you had 100 pre-order they sent you 120 you can sell 45 copies of the game and not worry about pre-orders mm-hmm. um, and so that almost seemed the same thing because they were doing stock restrictions because if it's GameStop, they've got all the buying power in the world why aren't they just buying 200 copies if you have 100 pre-ordered so they were already starting to kind of do that and now we're seeing it where they're sometimes not getting any extra, or they're only getting right. one extra copy with ten
1: games pre-ordered. It used to be where, and I I did that uh, a lot. So you were talking about selling into your pre-orders. I would sell into my pre-orders until I had like, like if I had eighty pre-orders, I would sell down to twenty, and I'd leave that twenty for the for the pre-order customers. But GameStop was really great about the very next day sending a shipment of, like, right, 50 yeah. more games. And they stopped doing that. Yeah, so and, they they, yeah. they tell you to sell into your pre-orders, but then you're risking burning your, your customers that did pre-order because yep. you don't have that that backup from the company yeah, the and, next day.
0: And do you think anybody who pre-ordered a game and then shows up and you don't have it held for them is ever going to pre-order again? Right. Very unlikely.
1: I was really good about dealing with customers when that situation yeah. came up because we had two other stores in town. So I would, I would just be like, Oh yeah, UPS messed up our, our shipment. Uh, I'll have one for you in about 15 minutes. And I'd run across town and I'd grab a game from the other store and I'd come back and I'd sell it to them. Yep. But if you're not good about thinking about, on your feet like that you'd like a lot of a lot of employees would be like yeah man i'm sorry we just don't have it (laughs) yeah it's like we have it
0: across town go get it yeah like like help them you know and i remember the last thing i'll say about that was i remember when the company stopped backing us up so then you'd hear your district leader say hey if you're out call me and i'll work on it and so it's a saturday guess who's not working on a saturday and isn't answering their phone on a saturday your district leaders yep. oh hey i need i'm out i'm down to like five copies i've got 20 pre-orders you said sell into him you'd have my back they didn't have his back you know yep. and, and they, they always said that and never did and again that's more of a middle management failure that's not a corporate level failure but nobody held him accountable making these false promises yeah. and he's like oh he's like you need more i'll get you more and then it became a mad dash to like call in product requests or email product requests be like hey i need 10 copies of madden by the weekend you know
1: this, the thing about pre-orders that pisses me off uh, and I think is really stupid is so they want you to give out a sheet of paper, a black and white sheet of paper with a whole bunch of alphabetically printed games on. It. Yep. And that's somehow going to excite the customer into giving you money. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. And I
0: the people excite them. Right. you excite them. Well, I excited them.
1: But they expect you to know everything about every game. And customers expect you yes. to know everything about every game. Unrealis- an unrealistic
0: expectation, but their expectation all the same.
1: I brought this up to... Uh, I actually went uh, at conference two years ago. Um, uh, Rob Lloyd is the name of the CFO. Got it, okay. I went straight to Rob Lloyd after he got done talking to the entirety of all the GameStop managers, the 5,000 people in mm-hmm. that room. And I had an idea for some a tool that they could make... Pretty damn easily to help pre-orders, and my idea. So every single week, GameStop has a flyer. It's usually it's two-page flyer with sales flyer, like, yeah. Any yep. retailer, basic yep, sales yep, flyer. basic stuff. Yep. There's usually not that much good look to look at in that flyer. Correct. It's usually it's usually just dumb crap. So <laughs> like
0: normal price stuff,
1: right? Because Norm- they're selling the ads. So yeah. That's the problem. Is they it's, just
0: sold the ad space. Months which ago, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that's, like, GameStop's biggest shtick is that they basically sell their store like a huge billboard. Yeah. And they make tons of money off being a billboard for all the companies.
1: So those flyers are useless. Like, giving a customer one of those flyers is, like, you might as well just throw it out. They're they're not going to look at it. They don't care. So what I said was, uh, at the time, they had an initiative called the 18 for 18, uh, which, fun fact, that's still the Wi-Fi password for GameStop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's 2020. Uh, they still are using a 2018 slogan as their Wi-Fi pass. Beautiful. Um, but so 18 for 18 was 18 <laughs> titles that were coming out in 2018 that they wanted that they wanted to get reserves on to make the year. And so what I suggested was, why don't we take and take a flyer like the GameStop sales flyer and have like four vertical or four horizontal rectangles on each page and have it be all of those 18 games and have it be a exciting picture in the background, a picture of the box, what the pre-order bonus is, and when it comes yep. out basic and stuff. have all 18 games on a flyer that you can to customer and say, Hey, check these out. These are the 18 hottest titles coming out this, this year. It's visual. It tells them what they're going to get. If they pre-order the game It tells them when it's coming out and it gives them something to look at. It's not a white piece of paper. Right. So I said that. Another
0: cost-cutting thing, though, because they want you to print that at the store level, right? Right. And you print them off on these garbage printers, which, by the way, a, long, a funny story, yeah. when we got <laughs> all those printers, they lowered our discount from 25 to
1: 20%. Because of the printers. And they
0: said, this is what the corporate said, they said, we needed to pay for these printers, so we're taking 5% off your discount to help pay. You guys wanted new printers, right? And we're all like...
1: Not this badly
0: for, for 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 my discount, I guess. I That's mean.
1: funny because those printers were garbage.
0: Oh, those terrible printers! Yeah,
1: but yeah. So so I gave him this idea. <laughs> he he had me talk to a marketing guy, and so I gave that spiel to the marketing guy. He loved the idea. I saw him two days later, so I said that on day one
0: of conference, of conference. manager conference, okay. and then I
1: saw him two days later in the in the like expo part and uh, I just walked up to him and I, I said hi again I shook his hand and he was like hey man we, we're, we already got the gears rolling on that idea it should be like on, on the printers when you get back
0: Holy totally crap.
1: BS <laughs> never happened <laughs> never happened and it was like this is a tool that we could use to sell the products mm-hmm. that you want to sell and it could be an evergreen flyer you don't need to print a new version of that flyer or edit it, really. All you'd need to do is, like, when the game comes out, delete the thing that says coming out September 25th and say available now. Yep. That's all you'd have to do to edit that flyer and print it out again. And it could be something that you just constantly send to the stores until that promo is done.
0: Sure. Oh, and, I mean, and, and you could even, even if you didn't want to put the effort in to do that, you could just say the release date. And then if it was already out, then you say, oh, this released on February 26th. So we have it yeah. now because it's March or something. you know. I mean, it's it's so – oh, man, it's so weird. So the last thing I want to talk about because, honestly, there's still half this article left. And I want to talk about all of it. We just don't have the time. But this was a quote. Quote, the reason we didn't make sales targets over the holidays was because we ran out of everything, games and systems, another manager said. My store alone could have made a ton more money on Christmas week if we had just had some systems in stock They go on to say that they didn't know if it was because GameStop didn't order enough or if it's because the console companies weren't meeting demands, but it hurt us. I didn't see console shortages anywhere. Best Buy had tons. They even extended the sale on the PS4 bundle for like two weeks, and Best Buy had them on a huge end cap for a long time. Switch systems, as far as I know, were around. You know, So I don't think it's a, a retailer or it wasn't a... Wasn't a shortage from the companies. It was it was GameStop didn't have the buying power or was too scared to spend a ton in case they had a really bad Christmas.
1: I think they potentially were not in the right stores as well because I had one Christmas where a store like thirty miles north of me had like seventy Xbox Ones, yeah, and the three stores in Green Bay had like two, and so I drove up to that store. And I took half of their product, and I stocked all three stores in Green Bay, and we had systems to sell. Ironically, I got yelled at by the district manager for doing this. (laughs) Um, We sold all of them.
0: (laughs) Well, it's like when I was at Mason Street, we used to pack up boxes on our own that weren't RSBs and ship Mm -hmm. a ton of stuff to Bay Park. Because Bay Park, people didn't want to take trades to a mall, so they didn't. Trades were always lower there. Take a huge trade store, we're we're just dying with the amount of trade product we have, feed it to the mall.
1: Yeah, I used to I used to take weekly trips to other stores yeah. and pillage them for But product. here
0: but here's the problem with that. That doesn't show up anywhere on the paperwork as hey Greggy old Greggy did a good job for anyone. It shows up as well, the mall just beat you and used sales for the week. What are you gonna do about it? They beat me because I I fed them the product because as a real smart employee with this company, it's not about me. It's not about them. It's about us. Yeah. And like, that was the weird thing. So then if you had a district manager that didn't understand what you were doing, like I'm going around helping all these other stores by giving my product away. And so I might be down a thousand dollars that week in sales. The other stores are each up a thousand. So we just, we just made $2,000 as a company by me doing this, but I look like a bad store manager because I lost a thousand dollars in sales. It's just shit. doesn't make sense. Yeah. That, you know? that,
1: that run I made, I, I did the math and I, we made like 3,500 yep. bucks on that, that trip I took, but I got yelled at. He yeah. was like, you should have asked me. I would have done that. It's like, you didn't.
0: Yeah. And, and, he, and let's get real. They wouldn't have, if you yeah. asked them. Uh, and then there is actually, I lied. There's one more thing because I, I hate this <laughs> quote, uh, one manager, Uh, said, quote, Fortnite is killing the gaming industry. More than half of every gamer under the age of 18 plays Fortnite almost exclusively. So foot traffic is down. We sell V-Bucks, but they almost never buy other games now. First of all, no, it isn't. Fortnite is not killing the gaming industry. That's stupid. Secondly, more than half of every gamer under the age of 18 plays Fortnite. Where in the hell did they get that number from? That is not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they play Fortnite almost exclusively. Are they? T- I don't know where they got that number from, but that is somebody who clearly does not like Fortnite. Now, I'll admit I'm not a fan of Fortnite either, but I don't think it's anything wrong. I don't think it hurt the industry at all. You know, if anything, it brought a bunch of casual younger kids into shooters. Like I actually just saw my nephew who's a big Fortnite guy. He's playing Rainbow Six Siege now.
1: Oh, nice! I was so, playing it the other
0: night. Nice. I've never played it. And I love Rainbow Six Vegas too, uh, but I so it's 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 a it's a game that's getting people into other shooters. So to argue that it's somehow hurting the industry now, how much money do you think GameStop made off of Fortnite merchandise? A lot, a bunch, yeah, you know. And so to try to act like Fortnite is somehow hurting the business is asinine yeah so that's the last thing i want to talk about that but I, of course they don't make any money off digital game digital cards we know that like there's even less money in digital cards than there is in brand new physical games yeah which you think isn't possible but it is
1: it's like selling a 20 dollar psn card makes gamestop like maybe 25 cents right
0: well and it's funny here because Like one manager said, quote, I warned them years ago that selling digital cards is a mistake, said a longtime store manager. They don't even make profit, but they generate a lot of revenue, and that looks good on the balance sheet, which is true. And it's an add-on item, so you can kind of pad the numbers. Yeah,
1: but if you're going to fight that, that would be like the same as Blockbuster saying no to Netflix. Like if if you're not going to sell the digital card, they're going to go get it somewhere else. Right. So you're either going to get some of the profit. Or none of them, and
0: maybe profit. yeah, and maybe if you hadn't spent the last fifteen years damaging the reputation with every developer and publisher out there, maybe they'd want to cut you in a little bit on the digital cards, a little bit, you know, like if you hadn't.
1: Well, I think that's that's more so the the console manufacturer.
0: You think so? Like like yeah. not, not like the PlayStation Plus cards, but let's say like the, a digital copy of the game. Let's say like a digital copy of Mario Odyssey for the Switch. Like obviously that is up to Nintendo because it's their published game, but like let's say that they instead of selling the card to gamestop for 59 dollars, they would sell it like they would a new copy of the game because yeah. that's still ultimately what the manufacturers want is they want everyone into a digital ecosystem like that's that's the the whole point of all this is so they could stop having stores like gamestop get a cut right which would also be gamestop cutting themselves out but at least you know um at least it would be at least it w- they would make money while getting undercut, <laughs> as opposed to now they're not making any money and still getting undercut. So-
1: I, oh. I don't think that Fortnite is hurting the video game industry. Um, I think that most of the Fortnite players, to me, seem like the Madden NBA 2K, like very casual players. Okay. Where they, do fo- they focus on one game. Like, a lot of people play Madden, and that's all they play every year, and they buy one game every year. Yep, they play it until the
0: new one comes out, and then they sell it and buy the next one. Right.
1: I don't get pissed at them because they only buy one one game a year. I don't play the same game as they do, but they still bring GameStop money. Right. So don't piss and moan about it. You're still you're still selling Fortnite pickaxes and pop figures and and little blind boxes and
0: ninja ninja bandana wigs. Yep. You know, Uh, that stuff
1: sells. Yeah. It's stupid, but it sells. So it's still getting you profit and I I actually love what Fortnite has done for the video game industry in that they are so powerful that they've been able to kick down the doors of cross platform play. Sure. Without absolutely without the the clout that they had. They couldn't have done that. They twisted the arm of Sony to be like, this needs to happen. And Sony f- frickin' bent. Same thing Microsoft with Minecraft, putting it on every damn console. They they were able to take and be like, this game's pop- popular enough that you need to have it on yeah. the PlayStation. You need to have it on the, the Switch, on the, the Wii U. And I think that also broke down some doors. So yeah, to hate on Fortnite for... For being popular is just dumb.
0: Yeah, it's just terrible. And I understand that it's a lot of young kids like it and that a lot of people don't shut up about it and they play yeah, I get that, but that's like that's just a stupid statement. And then just making up some number about like nearly half of them don't play anything else. Yeah. Okay.
1: I also pulled that uh, that out of that article and thought it was dumb.
0: So I feel like I could literally talk about this with you for three hours, but I don't have that time. So I want to get into the people we talk to. Yeah, because we actually have our own homework on this. So we having us both working there, we've we've met a lot of people. I know a lot of people in my town who I don't even know personally. I never worked with them, but I've gained loyalty with them because I'm a local game store and they do shop at my store like for retro games and stuff like that. So you get in good with them. And, you know, so I've talked to multiple people from multiple stores. I talked to, I think, about five different or six different people. Okay, not all from here, by the way, either. Uh, if the district manager's listening, and he's like, "I'm gonna get them. Yeah. Uh, for the
1: record, if GameStop watches any of this content and the, the the articles, and they're looking at it like we should fire these people, you're looking at it the wrong yeah. way. You yeah. should be looking at it like, how can we fix our company? Mm-hmm. How can we make these people that have complaints? Happy,
0: you know, and that actually, as much as I want to get off that, that reminds me of a of a meeting we had, a regional meeting we had in Chicago. So it's a regional meeting. There was probably a hundred stores there, hundred store managers, and we had taken a I forget what they called it, some sort of survey. The managers had taken a survey, like like a, like a happiness I, I survey, wellness survey, or whatever the hell it was. And they ask you like, Hey, are you happy with the company? Are you happy with the job? Are you happy with this? Well, apparently. There was something like 50% of store managers said they weren't happy or something. So it was some like really high number, like it had gone down when normally all the numbers okay. and metrics had gone up. All the assistant managers said life was great. All third keys. Life was great. Store managers, not so much. And I remember the, the regional director up on stage going, so this is something that happened. We saw the surveys. We saw that people aren't happy. I'm going to tell you why you better be happy in this job. And starts telling us <laughs> wh- how awesome it is and why, why aren't we happy when you get this and you get this and you get this. Didn't ask why we weren't happy. Didn't try to say, hey, I'm going to do better to try to make you feel better about your job. Nope. Nope. It was, well, you should be happy and here's why. Ten reasons why you should be happy working at GameStop. It was literally like that. And I remember looking around. I, I looked around the room. And we were all just kind of like, is this fucking, is this happening right now? Like, is this really happening?
1: It was a really angry BuzzFeed list. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Might as well have been. Was that the meeting where your brother ripped the, uh, the, the wall or the, <laughs> um, <laughs> the divider it between been. the urinals it <laughs> off the been. wall? <laughs> it might have been. Oh my
0: goodness. Oh my goodness. That was, what a great, what a great day that was. Oh man, we had some wild meetings. We had some wild <laughs> parties. Anyway... <laughs> So here are some of the things in no particular order, not even all from the same person that I heard. So I heard from someone who hasn't been with the company a super long time, but was on a conference call recently. And they, they heard the district manager say this, the district manager said people that have been with the company 15 to 20 years are going to see more things change in this year alone than's changed in the last 15 to 20 years that was said on a conference call to other store managers to kind of prepare them for the changes that were coming. Can you even imagine what those changes are? I'm sure the district leader doesn't know. They don't, like, the dist- that would have leaked out, you know? Yeah. District leaders are, uh, you know, aren't bought any loyalty either to their regional overlords. But I'm very curious what that means and what those changes entail. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, this, this comment, which is funny because the more things change, the more they stay the same, John. But, corporate is demanding more and giving less extending Sunday hours while getting weekly payroll cut. So they're asking the people to work more in the stores, stores be open longer, and they're giving them less hours to work it. On what planet does it make any sense at all? makes no sense. Yep. Um, hundreds of price. Uh, last, last night they sprung a sale set up on stores, hundreds oh. of price changes, completely resetting the collectible sections, but with no additional support we weren't given proper notice so that we could change our schedule accordingly they've gone back to coaching for poor performance and they justify the coachings and terminations by saying that quote there were other issues that's how they do the one and done despite taking a firm ham with po- uh, a firm hand firm ham mm. despite taking a firm hand with poor associate performance they are overlooking the people actually performing well that's never changed man that's always been like that i remember like I was in the top 10% and I dipped down to like top 20% and my district manager just chewed me. He gave me the hardest time ever. He's like, you are a leader in this district. You cannot fall like that. You can't take a hit like that. Meanwhile, other manager who's been in the four thousands, bottom 10% of the company has been there all year. Doesn't even get a mention on the conference call. And I get just a scathing, smashing (laughs) like tongue lashing on On the conference call. call? Yeah. Yeah. In front of everybody. And, And I remember thinking he would always every now and then he would, do something like, you know, here's a positive survey we got this week. Surveys really big right before I left the company. And I remember, you know, after a call one day, I said, I was talking to him in person. I said, man, it's so weird. You know, like I talk to people all the time and say they leave us good surveys and it just sucks. I don't know why they're not coming through. And he just looked at me and said, Greg, we get good surveys about your store every week, but what am I going to do? Just read them off every week as Greg's, you know, good job of the week, Greg, everybody. And I'm like, well, you could at least tell me, you have to do it on the conference call, but you could at least just say, "Hey, you got another good survey, man. Thank you for working hard to get a good survey." You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I,
1: I surveys piss me off because, like, I, I would do backflips to to like satisfy the customer, yep. and I I would get never get a survey nothing. Survey. And and people like
0: things. People don't go out of their way to give a good review, but they'll go a hell way out of their way to leave you a bad one.
1: Yeah, like there's it's
0: the nature of people.
1: There was a guy that was uh, that would come in. and He was into Skylanders. And every year at conference, they would give the managers an exclusive Skylander figure of some kind. And I was really into him for a while, and then I stopped caring. So I was like, I know this guy will, and his kid will appreciate the special figures Uh, more than I would. And so for three years straight, I gave that guy all of the special Skylanders I got. And he never filled out a survey. <laughs> it's like the like I didn't make him buy anything. I called him and was like, hey man, I got I got a special Skylander. I know you'll like it. Like he came in, he just took it, he never never bought anything at that yeah. at, at that visit. And the only thing I asked was like, Hey man, it would really help us if we filled out a survey. Never filled out a damn survey. Yeah it's like What store do you go where they give you free things and you can't take two seconds to be like, that guy was nice. You've always (laughs) gone above and beyond. So
0: much so that I always worried that you were going to get canned for for something, even though it was always going to be for helping someone. You had never gotten canned for doing something that hurt someone. But I could see them being like... You like you you you'd be like oh you know I, I really quickly I, I knew they wanted this game I had it in my collection at home I had two copies we don't even carry the game it's an old Nintendo game I zipped home real quick on my break grabbed it and gave it to them and they'd be like well he would have bought stuff in our store if he hadn't done that blah blah or something you know like I always felt like <laughs> yeah. you were gonna get fired over being too nice to people and taking care of them which if I would not end up happening I
1: would have been okay with that if that happened like could, I would have yeah, put yeah, that could, on <laughs> resume right then and there I was really 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 great you, you to could a sign customer. up for that you could just yeah.
0: be like you, yeah you could go home with that I'm fine with that. Um, and yeah, so the, and last thing, uh, I talked to a manager that said that, um, they had gotten a poor performance review for some week in November and got a negative response to that the week before Christmas instead. So, so not only did their poor performance get them written up. It was during a, the busiest time of the year when morale is already low and you need a little bit of help and a pep talk and a rah-rah session and dropped it on them the week of Christmas.
1: I mean – Like almost a month later. Like a month
0: later. First of all, it's a month and a half later. At that point, yeah. you know what you do as a district leader? Here's what I would do as a district leader. Just rip it up and then tell the manager you ripped it up. Do like the cop thing you know, where you're like, you know, I could have busted you for going 20 over. But I'm going to let you off with a warning this time. Like you could, <laughs> that buys you loyalty. That buys you points. It's not even, it's, it sounds like manipulation, but it's not. It's like just doing something nice for someone and then letting them know you did something nice for them so, they don't, so that they know. But that's part of buying loyalty when you're in a position, a management position of power like that. And so those are just some of the things I heard. Uh, I asked a simple question. Actually, the question you came up with. Is there anything positive you'd like to say about the company over the, over the last year? Uh, this might surprise you. No one had anything nice to say, John. No. Not one person said anything nice. Damn. The only thing one person said was that they're excited about the birthday parties thing. Thought it might be a neat idea. But I think they were more saying, like, it's a neat way for us to tell our customers we do cool stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, but not really a pract. It's not practical. What is that idea? It's like having birthday parties in yep. the store?
0: Yep. Pay for three hours of a birthday party at a GameStop. During store hours. I don't know what that even means. Like so are people gonna be walking around getting in your way when you're trying to like play games? I don't understand it at all.
1: Like the places that do birthday parties have rooms dedicated yeah. to throwing a birthday party. Yeah. They offer food. Thirty three
0: forty nine could do it. You know, they've got room. You can move stuff out of the way and have like a bunch of chairs and tables set up, but You could play why freaking Ultimate Chuck Frisbee at that dude.
1: store. <laughs> go to go to
0: Chuck E. Cheese, dude. I missed that store. I opened that store, that was a blast. I was
1: actually in that store like two days ago. Yeah, nice.
0: Oh, I I used to love that store. I opened it, I only got to work there a month before they kicked me out and sent me back to the mall. I always had to go back to the mall all the time. The place is in
1: a terrible location though. It was, it was
0: it was the store I was gonna go to die in. Dude, it was a beautiful <laughs> store, had a big office, had a nice back room, had a fridge. You know, that was when they were putting like fridges in new stores that were opening. Like You'd I didn't in get your that. own store
1: now, you're in a better place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's
0: the thing, no regrets, believe me. It was life 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 took me an amazing journey, so I'm not I'm not asking for any of that back.
1: Well, and even like i mean i've been gone from gamestop for like eight months and i work at the post office now i could not be happier like that's I've, the craziest thing to yeah me
0: too. it's everybody who's left gamestop has told me that they're happier even people left gamestop to go work at quick trip yeah okay quick trip it's not i mean i love quick trip food but it's a food service industry job it's a gas station and they're like oh i'm just so i'm not stressed out just really enjoy it i have to get up at four in the morning every day it's i love it like what because when you think about it, you think, what, what would you be better, working at a fast food place or working at GameStop? Well, GameStop, duh. GameStop knew that, and they always treated you poorly, yeah. you know? That was always my impression was we have 100 applications in that drawer. Just last week, we got 20 applications in. There, There were places anytime they want, you know? So it's not like we have any power over anything. It's crazy. Did you have any... Quotes from people you talked to? I don't remember. I know. Uh, we, I did not. Okay, I think that's right. I, I know I covered most of it.
1: I was going to talk to a couple of people, and then you ended up getting to them first. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. You wily bastard.
0: So then lastly, because we got to wrap this damn thing up, uh, give me three things you would do to fix the company if you could. They put you as CEO, John. They said, you're our guy. We need you to fix this company. And let's just say – Technically, you have an unlimited amount of time, which they don't have an unlimited amount of time. But let's just say you did. So, things that you think, even if we have to go back five, six years, what are some things you would have done five or six years ago to turn the company around and to fix it?
1: So, like I was saying uh, before, uh, the like, if they can side sell phones, why not other media? I think they should do that. Yep. Because honestly, phones are complicated. Like they have to test them out. They need to make sure that their people's. Uh, like, their Apple IDs yeah. are removed and all that. Like, that's tough. But buying a Blu-ray and making sure that it's not scratched on the bottom and then putting easy. it in a box and sending it to somebody who's going to sell it on, that's easy as hell. Um, so I think that would be something I would do. Um, I GameStop started dabbling in publishing in their own games. And I was kind of excited about this. Yep. Um, They did Song of the Deep, which is a great game. They did Has Been Heroes, which is Has Been Heroes. Um, And then, like, they had a couple other games that were, like, announced but never came out. And I thought, or I think, they should have bought Limited Run Games. They should have bought Limited Run Games when Limited Run Games had, like, 15 games under their belt and were just getting started. Because they wanted to dabble in this publishing sphere. Yeah and limited run has all of the knowledge to get all of these companies on board and GameStop is failing at it fantastically yeah like yeah Insomniac was a great get as one of their first games but after that they've they've really tripped over their own shoelaces on it like there was this <laughs> VR game that was uh it was announced like 3 years ago at E3 and i forget what the hell the game's name is even anymore um so yeah i would i would have bought limited run uh as and have them do what they're doing because if you think about it limited run makes ten thousand copies of a game yeah there's five or four or five thousand game stops in the u.s you give every game stop three copies of the game those three games are going to sell yeah and very little to be overturned. Yep. Yeah. You're gonna it's, it's
0: actually funny you said that because I think that was a huge miss for them. They could have gotten into this physical publishing deal. They have the relationships already in place. Yep. They have the buying power to start it. I mean, it just makes total sense to me why they didn't do that. And I don't know if, did they not even see these companies coming? And they're sitting here talking about how, oh, everyone's going to digital. That's why we're really in a downturn. Limited Run is just like smashing assholes, man. This is like yeah, they, crazy the they profits they make.
1: Published almost two hundred games now. Yeah, and you know, you know how many games that that were made by Limited Run that GameStop can even buy from you? None. None. If you bring in a stack of the most expensive, most valuable Limited Run games, and you wanted to sell them to a GameStop, GameStop cannot buy them from yeah. you because they are not in their system. Yeah.
0: Which also makes no sense. I mean, it makes no sense that they're not in the system.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost like
0: they just are ignoring that they exist.
1: I and I emailed corporate and said, hey, why don't we add these titles to our our system so that way we can buy them from customers, and they would just give you some sort of formulaic response, and you they'd never you'd never yep. see it happen.
0: Which also, and I know it's just starting now, so maybe it's too late. It was too late for them to get into it. Best Buy orders <sighs> from Limited Run. Yep, and does open pre-orders from Limited Run. Why couldn't GameStop do that. And you think that GameStop couldn't get a better buying power than Best Buy? I mean, come on. It's uh, crazy. It's crazy.
1: I was I said I think that GameStop should sell uh soft drinks and energy drinks in their stores.
0: Yeah, it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you go into a lot of a lot of places and they have a little fridge and like if anything, they would make the money back just off the employees drinking the damn yeah. things.
0: Yep. Yeah. Mhm. I always wonder why they never carried Soda or anything
1: there? Yeah, I mean, they did terrible candy, but the like, yeah. the shelf life uh, on soda is so much longer than candy. Is. Yeah,
0: so I'm sorry, was that your three? By the way, uh, yeah, okay. So it's funny how you look at it like things they could do today. You know, like you were looking at things they could start doing tomorrow to start instantly making money. Maybe not the limited run thing, but you know, like pretty close. And so I look at it. I don't even know if I could come up with three things. I know I could if I put enough time into it, but really, they have to you get what you pay for with your employees. They have to reinvest in their employees. They have to get the job to be less stressful. They have to let managers manage their stores. And I actually was surprised by this. And I talked to some of the people I talked to about it, They uh, about how they were letting managers run their own social media for their store. That's awesome. That's brilliant. Again, because you're getting a more personal experience with your customers at that location. Empower your people. Let them run the place. When I was working there, they were getting rid of managers like me because they didn't want free thinking managers. They wanted the manager who's just going to sit there and push buttons and do what they say. And I remember getting yelled at for rearranging my store when they're like, well, the plan says you need to have two feet of wall space for this and eight feet for this. I'm like, I have the same amount of product for both. So I'll do five feet and three feet instead. And they're like, well, no, you got to have two foot. So, okay, so one section is just going to be bookended all the way up the wall and unshoppable, and the other yep. one's going to be stretched out and having double copies faced out. What, what are we talking about here? You know, and so they, need, they needed to do this. And unfortunately, with what I'm saying, they needed to do this years ago. Yeah. You know, like this isn't something that if you did it today is going to save them by the time that they need to be saved by. And so to me, it all comes down to the employees. And then you have to really, really work on that image about trade values. Because right now, you're not getting the product you need to sell. Because your trade values suck. And and I see it every day, and I know it, I'm part of the GameStop subreddit. And there's always people that are complaining about customers complaining about the trade prices. Here's what I can tell you though. Legend of Zelda, I said it earlier. They're paying $14 for a $48 game. And then the argument they always say is, well, but you don't they might have a million copies of that game. They can't pay a million dollars for a game that's gonna sit on the shelf. Breath of the Wild ain't sitting on the shelf. Right. That game flies. Okay, and so you've got that. You've got games that they're selling for seventeen ninety nine. They're paying two or three dollars for a seventeen ninety nine game. Okay, so here's the thing: if you have a million of those sitting in the warehouse, drop the price to four ninety nine, and then pay a dollar for it. You blow out of all of them. Then when you don't have any, then you'll raise the price back up to nine ninety nine. You pay three dollars for it. You know what I mean? Like that's that's I don't understand. They they invented the trade in system. How do they not understand how it works?
1: Well, what they've started doing is they've started just they will drop the price of that game that they have a ton of, and then they don't buy it anymore. Period. Yeah. And so, like, if you want to go get Gears of War 1 and 2 on Xbox 360, which is a must-have title if you like shooters Mm -hmm. on 360, you can't buy it at most GameStops because they don't buy it anymore, and so you can't find it. Right. So, like, it, it... it's, it's crazy to point where it's like, all right, if you're out of something, you should then buy it back again.
0: Right. It almost seems like once it becomes a not purchasable item, it's out forever. Yeah. Like, no, wake it back up. Like, and, and I know that this is complicated stuff on a corporate level. Again, it goes back to my argument about you know, this not being a scalable business anymore. Okay. And it's just incredible to me that they somehow aren't able to understand how the trade systems work when they literally created it. And I'm not saying the people running the company are the ones who create it, but that company created the the modern system of how we trade in games. They're essentially the the back end. They're the ones that say, well, if I'm going to see what a game's going to sell for, I got to beat them on the price. They set the price and I undercut them. They set the trade price and I overbuy from them. You know, like if they weren't around, we'd have to fend for ourselves, which is fine. But they created the the 30 to 50 percent buyback model, and then they created the um, like the like the percentage you need of used sales to be part of your total sales, so you keep an inventory that's level, but then also put profit in the bank. I just I just can't believe that they invented it and they they don't even understand it anymore.
1: Yeah, that that Gears of War was a good example too. There's uh, the only version of Gears of War one and two that you can get in GameStop anymore is a double pack. Well, they call it the triple pack. Mm-hmm. It was Gears of War one, Gears of War two, and then the DLC for Gears of War two on a on a download card. Right. Yes, I remember that and. Yeah. That game was always like twenty seven ninety nine, or you could buy Gears of War one and two separately for like seven dollars total. Right. And so then they got rid of the cheap ones. And so the only way you can get gears is with that that expensive and also not very common version of it. And so no one buys that version and they don't have the other versions to right. sell. So they're making no money off Gears yeah. of War. <laughs> yeah, they're they're spending money on
0: it and then no one buys it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild to me. I mean that's that's really what it comes down to. You have to fix that image. And they've never done anything to battle the image on social media either. No. You know, and now they've got like they're trying to do the Wendy's witty social media S- thing. Where they're like, Facebook oh yeah, yeah. And you're just like, this is this is such a bad look. Like it's funny when you're like a beloved company. It's not funny when you're like have people who are legitimately frustrated with you as a company. Yeah. It just doesn't work. But again, it's a short sightedness, it's fine. And and I know I've got a guy I do his he is he owns a video game store in Ohio and like I'm on his podcast every every few months or so and we talk GameStop stuff and we talk game store stuff and he's always like you know what to hell he he's like I want him gone He's like the GameStops in his areas are just like crap. He's like as soon as they're gone I'm gonna make a ton more money. I'm like, cool man, it's good for you. I just don't feel that way. I really don't. I don't wanna see him go especially in our market. It's, I think it's totally different. Like if it was Chicago, it'd be different. You have a lot of other stores bringing product in. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're in the North woods here, man. I mean, like we don't have a ton of places to help bring in physical product.
1: It sucks that there are GameStops that have poor customer service and that that's not a more important thing for them to fix. Yeah. Cause there are like, I've gone into the GameStops around here since I've been gone And I've witnessed customer service that pisses me off. And I, like, I I have to stop myself from saying, like, hey, why don't you do that better? Like, and that that to me was always the most important thing. Like, I always taught all of my employees, like, resolving conflicts and, and helping the customer and making sure that we do the right thing the first time before they leave the store so that way they don't they don't decide to never come back like they i feel like they did a really bad job of always teaching you how to solve customer conflicts and and problem solving and that that was always like the biggest thing i wanted all of my managers to understand because for the first like couple years of working at the store um i my my managers were always like the rules are the rules if you deviate from the rules you get in trouble. Yep. And yeah. it oh, was yeah. like after I became a manager and I realized like nobody gives a crap. Like, if if this customer's pissed off because the the they got a open copy of of the last copy of a game, if you say, Hey man, I can't I normally don't do this but I can take two bucks off of it for you, is that okay? Like that might be enough to to make him not care. Sure. Yeah, we
0: were always treated like, yeah, it was impossible. You couldn't discount a game or something, you know?
1: Yeah, and and I did it, like, I didn't do it, like, rampantly, but I did it when I needed to, and I never had anybody say a damn thing about
0: it, it. It makes such a big difference, too, and especially a return or an issue is a way to make a customer for life. Yeah. You can lose a customer for life, and you can gain a customer for life all when there's an issue or a return or something like that.
1: Walmart, with their return policy... I pretty much made that my return policy at my store. I will return for you anything if you can prove that you bought it from me. If it's outside of the return policy, you will get store credit for it, and you can buy something else. Yep. So you bought something from from me a month and a half ago. The return policy is technically seven days. I I'm going to tell you I'll do it for you this time, but normally the return policy is seven days. Yep. I probably would have done it for you the next time as well, but. <laughs> But it, you just make them happy. And you get them something else. Yeah. Same thing with like if they bought a new game that came out yesterday, and that game is the biggest steaming pile of garbage they've ever played, and they hate it. I don't tell that. Or I wouldn't tell that person. Hey man, we'll buy that from you for ten bucks.
0: Yeah. I I would tell. <laughs> They're people, already at max levels of frustration, right? And then you can be like, oh, by the way, we're gonna pile paid, some more on. Yeah,
1: you paid sixty bucks for it. I'll give you ten bucks. What I would do was I'd say, I can return it for you at the pre-owned price at 55 bucks and you can get something with store credit and so they're gonna get another game yeah i'd encourage them to buy a pre-owned game right because
0: corporate's on your ass because you just lost 55 dollars in pre-owned sales when you right
1: yeah. but then we'd have a pre-owned copy of a brand new game that just came out and we'd probably sell that damn game in the next like 30 minutes because it came out yesterday yep so i did that Pretty much any time anybody came in with a game that they just bought the day before from GameStop. And that, that solved a lot of the issues that they had with people being super pissed off about trading prices. Yep. It's those people that bought a game a week ago that are going to be the most angry about how much they're getting for that game. It's not the people that sat on their... The people that sat on their copy of Madden for two years and then are pissed off that they're trading it yeah. in for a dollar... They just don't understand how it works,
0: right? And that's such a minority; it really yeah. is. Like, and I deal with that a lot. I deal with people who think that their old stuff is worth a lot more. Or someone brought a bunch of NES games in today and was like, "I hear NES games are super rare." Well, some are sure. Not your copies of, you know, Operation Wolf and you know Mario Brothers Duck Hunt Combo. Like these, unfortunately, like, all you
1: ever generic ones. And that's not true. I mean, there was a Mike Tyson Punch Out Castaway Three got paid well for those. Yeah, but right. I I feel like if GameStop did more things like that to just be like to understand it from a customer's perspective to be like you know what that does suck that you bought that yesterday yeah let's let's see what we can do to make you happy to take care of the customer. Plus let's get
0: real you could return it as a new game. How's it any different except that it passed through the system how's it any different than when they got a copy and put it on the shelf? Yeah. Like yes technically you did sell that to a customer and it came back. But what's your definition? Of, is that what your definition of a new game is then? A game that hasn't been sold to a customer yet, you know, like that. That's what always. And I don't. I never hated that policy. I just wish that we'd had a ten percent off last copy, ten percent off. Yeah, it's killing. I know your profit on those is only twenty percent, but seriously, like just ten percent off for an open
1: one. You know, I and don't hate, gut a
0: hundred copies of Madden.
1: I hated the new game checkout policy.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we did typically did not let people check out new games. Same. We typically did used games. It was like a store policy that I yeah, that we yeah. enacted, yeah. Corporate policy said go ahead and do it. But we were like, eh, wait for a user to come in, you can check it out. Check I out. Was,
1: I'm I really didn't ever like lying to a customer. Yeah. Like I had a problem with lying to a customer. So I because of that. I didn't allow new game checkout because I wanted to be able to tell every customer that came to my store that if they ever had a problem with getting the last disc that we had gutted to put on the sales floor to show the the case off, I guarantee nobody's played that game because I do not allow
0: it. Right, because we don't allow it. Yep, I totally agree. And hopefully, I mean, and so those are some of the things. If you're listening, GameStop Corporate, uh, hit us up. You know, John and I will take some seven-figure salaries to... You know, I'll I'll ride the ship into the ground for a couple million. No big Just deal. Just a golden parachute or two. Yeah, no big deal. All right, John, so we gotta bust through cause we are way over time. We are at an hour forty six yeah. right now. So I gotta
1: wake up at six thirty tomorrow. We uh
0: we gotta bust through. So first up we have our, our games of the week and then we have our pickup pile of the week. So we gotta do it though. I can't not do it. My game of the week this week is a game called Kingsfield. For the PS One, so everyone talks about Dark Souls and Demon Souls, and everything is the Dark Souls of Dark Souls. Kingsfield is a FromSoft game. This one is actually their second game. We only got the second Kingsfield in the U.S., not the first one. Kingsfield is a first-person dungeon crawling RPG for PS One that was made by the people that made Dark Souls. Just as hard, just as unforgiving, just as uh, cryptic in its storytelling, and one of my favorite games. I played this when it came out on PS1 and I just it just captivated me. Like you could go anywhere. It reminded me of like early Legend of Zelda when you just don't understand anything about the world and you just start existing in it. Um it's totally janky now. It's crazy. Um it looks terrible. Like graphically it's almost unplayable, but I love it. So my game of the week Kingsfield for the PS1 if you like janky 3D dungeon crawlers that are really difficult and not a lot of save points. I don't know why anybody would like a game that has all that stuff in it, but I do. And it's very good.
1: That game visually reminds me of, uh, the old, uh, alone in the dark games for like 3DO.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so bad. Like the, the textures, people don't have faces or anything. And I don't know. It's, it's so weird too. Cause you start off like on this little, like a dock or something and you start walking and to your left. You go over there and there's this huge kraken kills you in like two hits. You're like, okay, well I'm going to go to the right. Then you go to the right. There's a fisherman. You talk to him. And there's a little path you can walk out, and you go out there, and you find like a fire spell, and then you just keep walking, like oh, I'm exploring some more. And then there's a bunch of little krakens that kill you, or flying fish out of the water that kill, like everything kills you, and you haven't even gotten to the game yet. You're still outside the caves. It's did you great. play Eternal
1: Ring? On I did too. I did that, like another FromSoft is, game, which yeah. is also basically like it's funny. FromSoftware has been remaking Dark Souls every couple yes. of years for yep. 20 when, years when
0: i first saw someone on pc did a first person dark souls mod it literally looked like kingsfield with better <laughs> graphics i was like
1: this is dope i got to play this i i played the the that eternal ring game and it's got a really long opening cut scene it's like 5 minutes long and then you finally get to play the game and i'm walking along a path and i like walked a little <laughs> bit to the left of the, like i'm still <laughs> Like, there's nothing around me other than, like, brown dirt and slightly darker yep. brown dirt. <laughs> and the slightly darker brown dirt killed me. Mm. And that <laughs> will had, happen. That'll I happen. had to watch the cutscene again, and I was like, that's enough of this game. <laughs> that's amazing.
0: That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your game of the week, John?
1: Uh So I brought every version of this game uh, that I have, because um, you can play it on PS4, mm, on yes. PS3, or on the Vita. Um, so Trails of Cold Steel is one of my favorite RPGs released in like the last 10 years. Um, I it,
0: do want to play it. I'm waiting for the PS4 <laughs> and to go down in price.
1: It reminds me of, I think it's been 30 bucks on Amazon. Yeah, I you want know, to I go, go lower. I, don't, <laughs> I saw <laughs> it. I want to go lower. It's a role-playing <laughs> game. They don't go, get that oh, low. They just disappear. Go, oh,
0: it'll go at $20. So oh, she'll go at twenty.
1: this game has a really interesting story um it's captured my interest for the first time in an rpg since like final fantasy 10 um and it's got a really like fun battle system that doesn't have a lot of grinding to it so you're never like stuck in an area being like oh i have to screw around for 20 hours so that way i can beat this next boss um so yeah trails of cold steel is fantastic i love it um I really want to pick up pretty much every game that's in the tra- uh, Legend mm-hmm. Heroes series.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to play that. And, they're coming out with, they, and they They released the second one on PS4 also.
1: Uh, and the third one.
0: And the third one just came out. The third one's recent? or is The third, uh, third one, one, one
1: old? is, I think, November.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, So the third one's not out yet, but the first two are out.
1: Yeah, they are all um, they all have cross-save as well. So like, if you started on the PS3 and then you got the PS4 upgrade, you can load oh, your save.
0: That's awesome. Sweet. Yeah, I do want to play that. That's definitely on my list. Um, okay, so John, we're going to blast through the Pickup Piles of the Week. So mine's not too bad. Um, first up, I picked up Golvelius Valley of Doom for the Sega Master System. It's kind of like a Zelda-type hack and slash. I picked up uh, – a it's it's a, it's a homebrew game for the NES called Alfonso's Arctic Adventure. Don't really care so much about this game in particular, but this is the uh, Spoonie Bard Productions did is doing the Jay and Silent Bob game, okay. which is like a two-player River City Ransom type beat 'em up. So I've already got that; like I ordered
1: that already. Did you order all three colors of that? No, I didn't. Okay, I
0: hate that. <laughs> um, I got I'm, this is my guilty pleasure, just like the movies. Uh, Tokyo Extreme Racer Drift. I love Tokyo Extreme Racer games. Like I'm a sucker. for I all actually of them. do as well. The, Tokyo Extreme Racer Zero is like one of my all-time favorite games. It's so high on the list. Uh, shinobi 3 complete in box for sega genesis uh and then i picked up a copy of roll cage 2 for okay. ps1 got this from rob store start over games and oshkosh nice. and then lastly courier crisis for the ps1 uh i don't know i read the back i've never played this but it just says you're the anti mailman a slacker courier with a goatee and a bmx rated attitude a psycho bike messenger thrashing through the concrete jungle pummel pedestrians rip stunts earn cash deliver the goods and don't be
1: i kind of want to play that now that yeah now that it says it's he's the GT- anti-mailman yeah
0: <laughs> and uh the studio is new level software they made they went on to make nothing no. else i don't think all right that's my uh, pickup po- oh and then i almost forgot this little guy so is this is awesome yeah this is uh I-, I picked up it's the dark souls crystal lizard so if have ever played dark souls every now and then a little lizard like creeps across the ground and if you kill him, you get, like, extra items to upgrade your equipment with. It's oftentimes later in the game, it's crucial to get them so that you can get the items you need to upgrade. Well, this was a – this was uh, – I don't know who made this, but it's a little toy. It's one-sixth scale, which means it's about five inches big. And it lights up, though. It's LED inside. So, like, it's yeah, got it's a blue-glowing crystal on its top, and it's just, like, a little guy, and he just – it's amazing. So,
1: anyway, that was my pickup pile of the week. So, uh – now, I didn't buy it, but now I want it really badly uh, along the lines of the Tokyo Extreme Racer. Um, so there's <laughs> a there's a Japan only um, uh, it would be a need for speed game, but in in Japan, the first few need for speed games were called like overdriven.
0: and oh, they did
1: okay. a, uh, they did a Nissan Skyline exclusive version for japan for
0: ps1 right yeah okay. uh
1: called... i got that
0: for dave you, when i was you in really? japan okay yeah i got i got it for a dollar at nice super potato
1: <laughs> yeah i want one of those they i want that uh it was called the uh, skyline memorial and then the saturn version is called uh uh Overdriven gtr um so yeah, I, I learned about those before I came here, and I was like, I have to have those now.
0: I'm such a sucker for the Tokyo ext- or the 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 Tokyo Extreme Racer games. I picked up Import Tuner Challenge for 360. Yep, I have a thousand points in that. Yep, yeah, nice. And then I picked up that Street Supremacy game for the PSP. Okay. Because I'm a big fan of just Genki's racing games in general.
1: Uh, I also have a thousand points in the Japanese version of uh, Tokyo Extreme <laughs> Racer or uh, whatever the hell the. What was it? Importuner Challenge. Mm. The Japanese version is called Shikato Battle X. Nice. Okay. And uh, I had to play the entire thing in Japanese, uh, which included the Wanderer list, <laughs> which there's a Wanderer that is has a different requirement in the Japanese version than it does in the American oh, version. No. So when I played it, it was prior to uh, Google Translate, so I couldn't just point my phone at the screen right. and like highlight it. <laughs> I actually had to like delve through like Japanese websites to figure out how the hell to get it. It was fun. <laughs> Sounds fun. All right, so my pickup pile of the week is again filled with lots of crap from GameStops under five dollar. They sale were doing on,
0: on old stuff this week. They were doing buy two get two free again, but it was also on three DS. So I thought about going in and buying all their Pokemon games, <laughs> but they're so overpriced on them. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: I, I've gotten to the point where I'm running out of games to buy that are under under yes. uh ten dollars so uh one of the guys at work i'm just g- i gave him two games this morning i was like here you get to benefit from my ridiculous obsession amazing uh so i got moto racer 4 uh for xbox one
0: looks terrible
1: yeah i'm sure it is uh <laughs> technomancer also uh, terrible <laughs> The game sucks but anyway, their their greed fall is apparently good i'm waiting yeah, for that well, to get cheaper well, okay uh eve valkyrie for playstation that's vr cool. yeah that's neat Uh, Real Fishing Road Trip Adventure, (laughs) which I cannot believe that this franchise has been around as long (laughs) as it has. It's still going, It's got, like, PlayStation 1 and, like, uh, Super Nintendo games. Uh, Sinmora EX for PS4. I own the Xbox version, but I like this. I like shooters. Actually, I don't like this game because it's got a time (laughs) limit. I was just gonna say I don't like that game The time limit sucks. If you took the time limit out, this game would be awesome. Um, Quar Infernal Machines which is another it's a weird penguin looking VR army game I don't know what the hell this is Hoplite makes nothing but great games mm. <laughs> they, they made all of the it. god awful uh, uh, Warhammer titles Oosh. so they made them or they published them uh, published them mm. I would assume uh, so outside of the under or the 4 for 20 deal uh, Bayonetta Vanquish I got uh, actually I ordered this off Amazon and then they were going to not ship it until like 10 days later hmm. so I had to cancel it and go get it at GameStop. Interesting. So, like I ordered it back in It makes me wonder November. if it's
0: short supply or something. I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying a new thing this year where I don't buy a game until I'm actually going to play it. Oh okay. And so like I want that two pack but I'm waiting for it to go down at 20 bucks. Ah. But then with my luck it won't ever go down.
1: Uh, I got Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, nice. Uh, what was that new twenty? Twenty on Amazon, yeah. yeah. Uh, Harvest Moon Mad Dash, which I don't know if I'll ever play.
0: Oof, the new Harvest Moon games are rough.
1: Yeah, I, the Har- there was this Harvest Moon puzzle game on DS, and I was like excited to play it, and I was like, these rules don't make any damn well, yeah, sense. Puzzle Day Harvest Moon, yeah, this is just weird. <laughs> uh, override Mech City Brawl, uh, I bought it just so that way I'd get free shipping with the. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works. Uh, my Time in Portia. Uh, I've which, actually heard that game's fun. Yeah, looks cool. Uh, and then I know it's on Game Pass, but it's probably going to drop off Game Pass at some point. So sure. So I wanted to pick it up. And then Bard's Tale 4 uh, for Xbox One. Apparently the Limited Run guys had something to do with this game. Like, I don't know if they... they it's, oh, they might have helped. Yeah, yeah cause, they, they cause... helped development in some way. Nice. So I wanted to pick that up. That's awesome. Their logo is not on the back in any way. Like, the, the Mighty Rabbit yeah, logo Mighty Rabbit, isn't yeah. on the back.
0: Because Mighty Rabbit, if you don't know, is the studio that the guys who started Limited Run, that's their game studio, Mighty Rabbit. So they made a few games, and then they found out they could make a
1: lot more money just publishing other people's games. Yes. <laughs> and then the last two we got uh, are both for Switch. So Giga Wrecker Alt, uh, which is weird. It It doesn't feel like a game mm-hmm. that should be made by the Pokemon guys. Uh, and then the two-pack Child of Light and Valiant Hearts from Best Buy. That's awesome. Um, it finally dropped down to like it was like twenty five.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll probably pick that up at a decent price. Yeah, yeah. I've been kinda, I saw that a while ago, and I was, I think it was like
1: forty or something. I'm
0: like, Ugh, just, yeah, it was it was pretty pricey
1: considering that those games have been out for years. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: Well, whew, that was exhausting. <laughs> we went for two hours, and I just did the dropcast for two and a half hours before that, so I'm ready to go. But thank you, everybody as always for listening and watching. You can follow me on Twitter at Game Trade Greg. You can follow John at Dryer Combo. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash The Drop Rate, <laughs> and then it's Twitch.tv/slash Drop Rate. No, it's the other way around. It's YouTube.com/slash Drop Rate and it's Twitch.tv/slash The Drop Rate or whatever it is. I'm too tired to get on it. But thank you everybody for always listening and watching. We'll keep it under two hours. We're close. When I add <laughs> the intro music, it's gonna put us over. Thank you everybody for listening and watching. Have a good night. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See ya.